All right, we're recording. Uh, sitting here today with uh, my grandpa. Yeah, uh, hello, <laughs> I'm here. It's been a couple weeks oh, yeah. since I've even recorded, so thank you for sitting down. Yeah. I know it's been a couple months since we've recorded. Yeah, at least. We uh, think we left off with you going to the UP with oh cheryl yeah yeah my daughter yeah oh yeah we had a <laughs> nice trip we seen uh geez that's the first time i'd been all the way up and then all the way up to copper harbor and i seen a lot of you know things i never seen before and it was interesting and yeah a lot of nice pretty waterfalls mm. yeah that was neat now didn't it take you like two days to get up that far yeah we went we went all the way to Manistee, was it Manistee? Yeah, Manistee, first day. And then from there we went to, uh, where was it? <laughs> was that uh, Houghton? Yeah, Houghton. Yeah, Houghton, Hank. I couldn't think of it for a second. Yeah, that's where we went to Houghton. Yeah, that was a neat neat place there. I never realized that Houghton, you know, always heard Houghton, Hancock. I didn't realize it was, uh, you know, just, you know, right across the little bridge yeah across the bridge <laughs> separate them you know go across the bridge you're on hancock and you're in holton when you <laughs> on one side and hancock on the other so yep oh yeah yeah it's um there's literally two unique bridges in yeah, the up just, you know and well i guess there's a lot of unique ones but two of the main ones the mackinac bridge and then the houghton hancock bridge yeah right that's there. it i'm just gonna bring that up i thought well I was, you know, and I said, you know, it can be a, like a drawbridge. I thought it would be like a drawbridge. At first I kept looking at it. I said, I can't figure that out. It doesn't really make any sense. With, you know, when I was looking at Then I I realized how it worked. It just raises straight up from both sides. I mean, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's Yes, yeah, it's, it's not really a draw. It's not like a, a lift, bridge, lift no, bridge. Yeah, a lift bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's I pretty got, cool. Yeah, and I never knew that. So that's why, you know, it was interesting. So, You know, I... <laughs> I've never even looked at video of it. I mean, I've I've seen like pictures of it elevated and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but I've I've never watched a video of them well, lifting that. You know, that's something I'm gonna have yeah. to uh, yes. gonna have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty interesting. So yeah, we well we went all the way up there for Fourth of July. Oh yeah, that's where yeah. we took Kia. Oh and, yeah, and the kids, and I mean it was. <laughs> It was a hard drive for them. It was seven. Yeah. Well, it was five hours. Well, no. I think it quoted five hours, but we ended up stopping a few different places. It took almost eight to, just to get up there. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. was a long day for yeah. the kids. Yeah, it's a long ride for kids. But yeah. But I enjoyed the ride because, you know, I've seen a lot of things I've never seen before, you know. Well, we stopped at that, um, I'm using UP. What's that? Uh, you know the, hmm. what do you call like I can never remember the name of that. You know that little spring thing. Oh, uh, Kitchen to Kippy. Yeah, I can never remember the name of that. But that was interesting because it was early in the year, so wasn't anybody there. Cheryl and I walked out there, and we were the only one there. So we walked. You know, we used the rope and went out there by ourselves, and you know, and on the bridge, the flood? yeah, on the bridge. We went. You know, we, just the two of us because it was real early in the spring. So. Wasn't many uh, 
tourists or anything around then, so <laughs> we pretty much had it by ourselves, and it was pretty neat. Yeah, you can see a lot of a lot of fish in there. You can see all the way to the bottom, you know, all pretty colored water and stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the, I don't know, many, many hidden, uh, not even hidden, but one of the many things about the UP that's just, makes it yeah. that much more unique yeah you know? it's unique i mean i did see once when i was in florida you know the silver springs they had a s similar thing you know in florida florida yeah wow and that was the only thing <laughs> you had the glass bottom boat so you can go out in the glass bottom boats and look through the you know the bottom of the boat basically you know see everything so is that yeah. out in the keys or what <laughs> no, or is that in the spring yeah. you went out there no it, it's, I you know, I spent so long ago, I can't remember exactly where that's at, but it wasn't in the Keys before we got to the Keys. It was in the southern part of Florida somewhere. But you went out in the spring in a glass bottom boat? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, and, you know, you could see a lot of, <laughs> a lot of different things in there, you know. Yeah, it was interesting, too. But that's, what, that's the only other time I ever seen anything like that is, uh, you know, the Silver Springs in Florida and, you know, one in Michigan. I still can't remember pronounce it <laughs> yeah it's uh what is it kitsch kitsch itty kippy kitsch so kitsch itty it kippy oh, there's uh okay. how do you say it i can't do it <laughs> we've got a we, we got a magnet from the little souvenir shop there and uh that's how i remember it because oh. it's got dashes in it oh, and yeah. it's kitsch dash it cash dash e dash kippy yeah i still wouldn't be able to do it unless i could see it right in front of me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But it's uh that's a really pretty spot. We've yeah. been there I think twice. Took Kia before we had Leon and Iris and we went uh it was like maybe March. April no, it was April cuz we went for Kia's birthday. So it was April we went up walked out there and uh there was like a ton of people. Oh yeah. I could not believe it. The souvenir shop wasn't open or anything, and then, you know, we took the thing out with a bunch of people. Got a picture of Kia out there. It was cool, but it was just, oh, you know, yeah. nobody wanted to crank the thing to go back, so I cranked it with probably <laughs> thirty people on oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's not easy. It You're was not nice. easy. <laughs> <laughs> but the first time we we even went, we went up for Bree's birthday, so that was like mid September. Oh yeah, and yeah. we were, we were hoping to get some fall colors yeah. because uh you know it happens a little earlier up there oh yeah we were like a week early oh geez you know we <laughs> we we there were some colors coming in and you know all the roads you probably drove on the pink roads up there yeah where they've yeah. got the yeah they put down that salt or the pink sand or whatever <laughs> yeah that's pretty neat <laughs> those are pretty so when we were driving back we drove on some of those that were wet and then, you know, there were some leaves changing, so we got some pictures of that UP roads. I mean, it's really pretty, but then we got back, and we're seeing all sorts of pictures online about, all oh, the, you know, the seasonal color changes happening right now, and it's, mm. I'll never forget, there was a picture of Taquamanon Falls oh, yeah. by a drone, and, like, oh. everything was yellow, and we were just there, <laughs> and there were only a couple yellow and oh, red yeah. trees, you know, it's like, yeah, wow. You missed <laughs> You missed it by a week or so. Huh? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, but I well, think I think what happened is because when we were up there, there was a frost. Oh yeah. For the first two nights we stayed, I think we stayed three nights. 
or the first night at least, and then the second night we stayed there was we woke up and it was frosty, and I think that's what it was is that frost kicked that color change in, and it took a week. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, bad timing on your part. Yeah, well, it's or her, maybe the her weather. part. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's her birthday. Her birthday screwed that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Quam and all the fall is really pretty in any time, but, I mean, if you can see it in the fall, and Caroline's birthday, or uh, anniversary, so it's 25th of October, so we, we were up there on, uh, when we got married. It was, it was really nice weather, and it was really pretty, so, yeah, that that's something you want to see if nobody's ever seen it before. It's it's neat. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, um, honestly, I'd like to, uh, I still want to build a mini jet boat. <laughs> and that's one of the many rivers in the UP I want to yeah. jet up is the Taquamanon. You know, maybe catch a couple muskie or something <laughs> out of there. and yeah. But at least <clears throat> jet up pretty close to the falls. and mm-hmm. You know, there's, nice. a, there's a lot of stuff up there. Oh, yeah. You know, as far as, like, if you're an outdoorsman, there's yeah everything to do. Even if you're just, like, a recreational rider. You know, you like to off-road, you know, in your Jeep or side-by-side or whatever if you like to snowmobile it's just really pretty yeah it is it's pretty neat so and endless it feels like it's endless when you're up there yeah it does (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so did you guys end up uh i think you said you you went to a few waterfalls right oh yeah there was some really really nice waterfalls i did i didn't realize you know what was gonna what to expect until we you know we'd have to we get to them, you know, so, wow, that was always impressed. Every time I seen one, I said, you know, it was even better than I always, you know, expecting, you know, each time because there was some really nice waterfalls up there. It's real pretty. And, you know, some were real nice little short walks, but there was always, it's always pretty around there, you know, the rivers. So that was really enjoyable. It's yeah. neat standing by the falls in here. That one, you can... Used to be able to go right down. I can't remember the name of the one now. I don't. Jeez, oh, that might have been the one up. Like, oh, like, oh, jeez, I, I might be able to think of it in a second. But it's one of way up by uh, Copper Harbor. You know, maybe you remember that one. Like on the peninsula. Yeah, way up there. I mean, it wasn't too far because we stopped on the way back and we had to walk a little ways, but. Anyway, mm. used to be able. To, Carol has been there before, so she used to be able to walk all the way to the bottom. You still could, but they had a. They don't have those steps there now, but they had a platform that's like halfway down, from one side, you know, and it was just <laughs> really rolling out. That water was just so pretty, and but you could where we were at, you could still the mist from that falls was. Uh, <laughs> The, the platform we was on, you know, the lookout thing was all wet and the mist, all the, all the you know, because it was just constant, you know, just to, you could see it and you could feel it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been to Niagara? No. Nope. Ever have. Yeah. Same. I'd like to go. Yeah. You know. I mean, not, you know, not that none of our waterfalls in the UP are impressive, but after seeing them, it's like. Oh, yeah. I'd really like to see, uh. Mm-hmm. Niagara, you yeah. Know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. There's some impressive falls around, and that's obviously one of the best ones in our country. Yeah. What is well, the one in uh, that Victoria Falls or Victorian Falls? In, yeah. In, 
<laughs> That's isn't that in uh, Yellowstone or Yosemite? Uh no, not. That's not the one I'm thinking of, but there, I forgot about that. Yeah, there is some real pretty ones there in Yosemite, but I don't know the, I, the names of them now. But. There's one, <clears throat> I was just looking at it the other day, because it's, it's, um, I've got a National Parks book, and, uh, I mean, I bought it probably 15, 20 years ago, and I remember, yeah, because I was still going to school when I bought it, so it was <clears throat> at least 15 years ago about, but anyway, so... I re- there was this bu- this um, waterfall that stood out to me in Yosemite, so I'm googling it, and it's a uh, I think it's, it might be horse horse something falls horseshoe falls something like that, but anyway, it's a waterfall where like two weeks a year, just the way the cliff is situated, when the sun sets, oh yeah, it I- only hits the waterfall. And, like, everything else around it's dark, so it looks like it's just pouring lava. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's neat. Yeah, I'd like to go out and see that. Is that the one that looks like it's going backwards? <laughs> no, yeah, which one is that? <laughs> there is one that, yeah, it looks like it's flowing yeah. in reverse. Yeah, it looks like it's going in reverse. Just because so. the way it's cascading down the rocks. Yeah. It, Makes it, yeah, it looks like it's going reverse. So, <laughs> coming down, it's going up. Yeah, that's, uh, you know. Have you ever been to the Porcupine Mountains up there in the UP? No, I haven't. I've always wanted to go. I've never made it there. It's a long ways, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be an interesting trip. There's a lot of neat stuff there. Yep. I've been, uh, playing the lottery a lot more cuz I'm starting to starting to get desperate honestly. Yeah. You want to <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm only getting older. You know? Yeah, I know you want to take advantage of that stuff when you're younger cuz yeah, you know, I kind of missed out on a lot of that stuff. Now, you know, you get older and I want to do that. Well, you know, kind of harder it's harder to do that stuff when you get older, so you want to you know, it's, you know, you you can do things when you're younger that you can't when you're older, so you get you know get more enjoyment out of that too. So those trips. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we walked pictured rocks for Ryan's bachelor party. Oh yeah, that was intense. You know, we only walked about a quarter of the hiking trail, but you know, Jeez. I think we got the round round trip. We did 14 miles, so we oh. probably walked about nine, ten miles of uh, lakeshore. Yeah, that's a long walk. That's and a it long was hike. <laughs> every step, it just got better and better. Oh, yeah. I could not believe it. Yeah. Like, literally, every step, you know, you'd be standing on something. You can't tell because you're on a cliff. And then you walk a quarter mile, and then you're looking back at where you were just standing, and it's like, wow. You know, we were just on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the, the loop. Yeah. I seen those pictures or a lot of those pictures. Yeah, I, yeah, I was kind of, a, I was really impressed, you know. So I didn't realize it was, you know, quite like that until you, you know, you have to get that close up. <laughs> oh, it was crazy. Yeah, but the loop we went, we actually ended at um, Chapel Rock. You know, was oh, yeah. that that was that tree that's up on that stone yeah, pillar? Big, yeah, where the roots are shooting across the gap back to the cliff. 
Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, man, that's perfect way to end the lakeshore walk. Right. <laughs> and the funny thing is there was a waterfall that came out right there at the beach. And we were like, yeah, that's cool. But we've seen quite a few of those. You know, look at this rock. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but then, you know, you hike back up that waterfall to start walking out. And then it just got better and better walking up that waterfall. It's like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Yep. See, that's what I'm just talking about. Now, like, like right now, I can see I'd like to have done that when I was younger, but I can't do that now. So, you know, I don't miss out. <laughs> well, I, you know. <laughs> well, I can, you know, it doesn't help that I got a bad knee, so, you know, but I mean, there's a lot of those things that you can't do when you get older, so you want to do it when you're younger. Make sure, you know, just don't wait too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the way the economy and everything's going it's making it about impossible yeah that doesn't help no that's why i was saying i'm getting kind of admittedly getting kind of desperate because it's just um you know i'm 32 i still don't really have a career (laughs) you know i'm barely making ends meet depending on the week or whatever happens comes up during the week family things you got to deal with i slide backwards a little bit i'm relying on another company to to have work for me to do to pay me yep. you know you know i i'm still fortunate to have a job but i was just thinking about this the other day just you know i'm a welder by trade and then they get told or they tell us that they've done the research and this is what you know you should be expected to earn or what we should be expected to pay for mm-hmm. you know welders and it's like okay i get it you know, we're not union, you know, we're not doing, you know, a high pressure vessels or anything like that. So there is a little bit of a pay difference in the product you're putting out. But the thing that they don't take into consideration is most welders aren't welding nine and a half hours out of a 10 hour day. Oh, yeah. Like it's literally <laughs> nonstop. Oh, geez. And, you know, you're making 20, 25 an hour to weld for 50 minutes out of that hour minimum yeah, yeah. you know yeah oh, and it's like okay but the the difference is yeah we're not doing you know extreme you know like i said high pressure vessels or pipeline or anything like that but the difference is we're constantly welding so there yeah. should be a premium in the fact that oh i agree with that. you yeah. know what i mean now i get if we were like the average welder that has to fit parts up you clean up your parts Mm -hmm. you make sure everything fits and then you got you know you go through your process of welding it and then even then you're not done you know you got to go through and you know whatever it's like okay Mm -hmm. you might weld for 15 to 20 minutes out of an hour if that's what you're doing yeah you know and they're making (laughs) more (laughs) yeah it's like I i don't know there's just a gap in you know the the research bias i guess or even the education on what we're actually doing compared to the rest of the field it's just it just feels like i'm expected to do more and more even though i'm working less hours i'm working just as hard in those fewer hours yeah and my pay is going backwards right you know yeah so you know and then i'm starting to freak out because it's like (laughs) 
<laughs> I got three kids. Well, yeah. You know, you I can't afford a house. Your, you got to take care of your family, yeah. I mean, you got to provide for them and yourself. And, yeah, it's hard. It's tough. Yeah, well, and we're outgrowing our house, so it's like, you know, I've got to <laughs> I've got to find a house. I don't have time to literally do anything I enjoy. I went up salmon fishing for a night this year, you know. It's yeah. like, you know, I've been squirrel hunting once. I haven't bow hunted in six years. <laughs> haven't gun hunted, you know, for deer. It's like I haven't been able to do the things I really enjoy, you know. Yeah. It's like I don't even have time to come out and shoot my pistols. It's just, it's just, you know. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Getting desperate. Yeah, it is frustrating. I know I went through that for a long time, and, you know, eventually it gets better. But for me, I mean, hopefully it will for you and everybody. But right now, times are tough for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I've even been looking into if I do win the lottery, right? Do I do the lump sum or annual payments? What do you think? <laughs> you know what? I don't, I would, jeez, that would be a good one for you. You're a lot younger than me, so I don't know. I guess I never really thought about it, but I guess you, you take a lump sum. Yeah, you, you're not getting all that money that, uh, you know, you would get on a, what is it, 20 years or something like that? Like 20 you, or 30 years. Yeah, well, yeah. you can do that. But you, if you have that money, then you can invest that money, you know. If you, so you could get money back that way. So, I mean, but if you, <laughs> depends on what kind of a lifestyle you want to live. I mean, you know, if you live to win a lot of money, I mean, you know, that would be easy enough to have a <laughs> pretty enjoyable life, you know, if you were made, use common sense. Yeah. Use your, you know. Didn't but, blow it all like a lot of people do. There's a lot of people <laughs> who win those lotteries and you know, in two years they're broke. They're in debt, you know, they can't even pay their bills. Which I don't understand, but I don't you know, I don't know. Well let me throw a, uh, a factor at you that I never even a variable that I never factored in until the last two years. Inflation. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> oh you're you're good. Oh no. That's nothing. Uh well, hold on. You want to silence it? Yeah. There you go. There it is. Okay. Yeah, so if you take inflation into effect, you factor that in, you might, if you take the lump sum, you lose, like, what is it, an extra 10% average or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, if you get a $50 million after your taxes and everything are taken out lump sum you might end up with 60 if you do it or 55 something like that if you do it in annual installments which 5 million sounds like a lot you're like yeah i'll, I'll wait 30 years for that 5 million the difference being well yeah you, what's the dollar going to be worth <laughs> yeah, in 30 right. years yeah when is that five man so if you take your money like i said i'm planning to win <laughs> so if you take your money and, you know, you get everything out of the way. You get a house, nice vehicle, you pay off the property, your house, then you're only paying utilities and then property taxes, whatever. Yeah. You can invest 30% of that. Yeah. And then by the time 30 years comes around, you'll have more than your $5 million, All right. Especially yeah. if you're using your IRAs or your whatever. 
CDs, you put it in some sort of, yeah, you know, long-term investment plan. It's, you know, it's not like you can't make the difference back. Right, you could make it. But I think I think the trap is a lot of people aren't, they don't have that mindset. Like you said, they burn it in five, ten years tops. So, <laughs> the, you know, they're looking like, I don't have to work ever again. I'm going to buy this nice car I want, this nice house I want. I'm going to travel, do all the things I want. But they're not planning on how they're going to continue yeah, that yeah. lifestyle. Right. So. You know, but if you invest a third of it, half of it. Yeah. I mean, the average person, I think, makes about $2 million in their lifetime of work. Mm-hmm. So if you factor in, <laughs> let's double that. You want to live off $4 million, go crazy, you know. Yeah. You double your income over your lifetime. You invest the remainder of that. I mean, you know, you'll be set. Your yep. family will be set. Right. And depending on the Powerball or whatever oh. jackpot I win, you know, if it's if I'm keeping over a hundred million you know i plan on giving everybody a million yeah well i was gonna say uh you gotta splurge on one thing though gotta buy me a corvette oh (laughs) that's fine i'll have one you'll have one okay you know mine will be more customized but i've had a dream forever (laughs) you know i was talking to my cousin about the same thing we said something about her if he wins a lottery first thing he's doing buy a corvette no kidding. That's what I do. <laughs> yep. Same. <laughs> Same thing. Same. Yep. Well, I'd at least order one. I don't know if I would just pick one up off the lot because I'd want, you know, yeah. maybe I would drive one home off the lot and order one Yeah. <laughs> because, go. you know, I'd want, I mean, that's one of my dream cars. Yeah. I'd love to have a daily driver Corvette, which wouldn't need to be as nasty, but mm. I, you know, I'd also oh, like yeah. a, a Sunday driver or something where you're taking it to car shows. It's got, you know. Mm-hmm. carbon fiber hood or body panels and yeah you know maybe it's a little bit juiced up yeah mess with the suspension and exhaust a little bit you know just all the things that you know right yep you put into making <laughs> a supercar that much more super yeah you know but i'd also like to have like an old challenger or a barracuda or something that's just well, yep those are awesome built right out yeah. you know get the old up uh, 426 semi yep jeez Something that makes that's your like teeth a, rattle when you start like it. a funny car, man. I'll tell you, they can't really keep that thing on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's when I, you know, that's that's one of the many things um, on top of, again, Yosemite. You know, I'd like to travel. I'd like to go see, like, uh, oh, yeah. the no. pyramids. I'd like to see <clears throat> Versailles, the Vatican. You know, I'd like to go through and kind of check out, um, you know, Sistine's Chapel. Stuff like that, like the historical things. I'd like to, my kids to experience that. I'd like mm-hmm. them to be able to see the Romans, you know, the like the Colosseum and yeah. all that good stuff. I'd like to go to Italy and let them see literally the things they learn about in history books, but actually see it. Yeah. Confirm yeah. it. <laughs> Maybe take their own. Because there's yeah, something. Li- yeah, there's a big difference in just reading about it and seeing a picture or something and, you know, than actually experience in it it's a big difference yeah i mean you can appreciate it when you see all of that you know so yeah yeah you know and i'm not i'm not saying i wouldn't be kind of into philanthropy or whatever you know i'm not saying i wouldn't invest in yeah things that aren't going to give me money back but give me satisfaction like you know yeah let's say homeless kids or whatever you know it's not that i'm not going to invest like that but you know I, i definitely want uh I want humanity to be better for one, but right. 
you know, I want to experience things. I want my kids to experience things. I want my family to experience things. Jamaica, I'd like to take a family trip to Jamaica, yeah. you know, with everybody. I'm talking, if you can get the time off, you know, mm-hmm. let's go to Jamaica for a week. Yeah. You know, just something that you can only give if you've, All right. you know. Well, yeah, Corvette would be nice. <laughs> I'd get my pilot's license. <laughs> That's one of the first things I would do, you know, as, as a long-term thing is get my pilot's license in a plane. Because then going to the UP is about a two-hour flight. Yeah, there you go. You know, you want to yeah. go to Traverse City, 45 minutes. Yeah, you, know? <laughs> you want to go salmon fishing, you can fly up here in about an hour. Yeah, but not less. even. Not even an hour, no. <laughs> Half an hour, you know, depending on headwinds. Yeah. Oh, we got another one. Popular. <laughs> but just little things like that, you know. I'd like to go to Alaska. Mm-hmm. You wow, know. yeah. That was one of my dreams, Alaska. I mean, I'm almost getting too old for it now. <laughs> you know, just the way my oh, neck geez, and stuff geez. is. Well, I, I'm not going to be able to do all the hiking I'd like to do, you know, after a mountain goat or something like that. You know, it's, I'm definitely going to be limited to, unless I go under the knife, get <laughs> titanium discs. Yeah, six million dollar man, I'll get all new parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that you know, that's the thing is, is you know, even to like to do your knee. Mom said you were going to do your knee. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I'm getting a new knee here pretty soon, but but even to do that, <laughs> it's not free. No, right. You know, and then the time invested in recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? that's what I didn't want to do. Any that's what, that's what I it was keeping me back for a long time. I didn't want to be laid up for a day. You know, I like to do something every day or something. You know, so I don't want to just sit here and. You know, do nothing, but it shouldn't hold me down very long. But oh, well, what are they talking? Eight weeks? Well, yeah. By then, I should be pretty much eighty percent. You know. You know. So, but you're still gonna have to travel for physical therapy and well, yeah, for stuff, well, stuff but, like that. So, I yeah. mean, there's still even even beyond the surgical correction. There's an investment in you know travel time. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. All that stuff, that's one of those things that kind of kept you back from doing that. Because I didn't want to have to take that time. You know, when you get older, your time gets more valuable, I guess. You know, say, man, I don't want to waste my time doing anything like that. <laughs> like you said, I want to yeah. be out either hunting, fishing, or something outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, I'd... Riding my bike. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to, you know, walk the Appalachian Trail. Oh, yeah. Maybe not the entire thing, but a section of it, you know, just just stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. Northern it's, California, it's, Washington, stuff like that. That's just, I mean, a lot of people that live here in America don't even realize that we are probably one of the most. I mean, every country is beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. but as far as like the diversity that we have here, you know, you've got the desert, yeah, and then you've right. got basically rainforest <laughs> in Washington. You know, and then you've got, like, the mountainous regions, the mm-hmm. plains. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've yeah. got everything, you know, not not to mention most of the coastline. Yeah, I was going to just mention that. Yeah, <laughs> all the coastlines, you know. Oh, man, you know, we got all the beautiful coastlines east, around, you know. East and west, you got Alaska that's basically Russia, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. which is, I mean, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of the, 
and it's probably just because of the size, but one of the only other countries in the world I can think of that I'd like to travel as much as the United States would be China. And that's kind of scary now, but, oh, yeah. you know, the diversity in China is just ridiculous. You know, they're they're about the same. You know, they've got the northern regions up there by Russia that are probably a lot like Alaska, and then you've got the southern regions that are jungle. You know, it's just... <laughs> and then everything in between, I don't think they have a desert over there, but, I mean, they've got, you know, everything yeah. else, coastline. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'd be... Uh, and plus, there's a lot of mystery in China. Like, you know, there's these pyramids they, they're they hiding, you know, and stuff that they're not, archaeological things that they're not actually excavating. They're not researching. They're just kind of telling you what what it is, even though you know it's not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're like, yeah, it's nothing. Oh, it's yeah. just a big hill. It's not a pyramid. You mm-hmm. know, just little stuff that, you know, I'd like yeah, to. Yeah, that's one thing kinda, about China. You don't. <sighs> They don't have that uh, same information about that country as we do most of the rest of the countries because that's just part of their culture. You know, they, <laughs> they don't want you to know. That's no. <clears throat> so, and I mean, I think that goes back thousands of years yeah. because I mean, when the Mongols were like Genghis Khan, you know, when he was raiding China, he was killing cities of a million people. Yeah. And all of them had silk robes, you know, well, not, maybe not all of them, but the majority of, I mean, they, you know, they were a rich yeah. civilization back then. And you've got to imagine if they've been around for, I mean, I think he was doing that in like a thousand AD. So you got to imagine if they were like that a thousand or three thousand years previous, they've only been <laughs> dealing with that kind of conflict for four thousand five thousand years now yeah so you can only imagine like how private you would want to be as a people that's ingrained into you like right yeah the world doesn't need to know what values we have otherwise they'll come here and we've got to control our people because if we don't you know these things get out and then we get invaded or we become a target you know i mean self-preservation is actually not defending china but it's probably been a part of their culture for I mean, longer than we can even imagine. Yeah. You know? I mean, look at the Great Wall. That doesn't happen if you're not (laughs) being raided constantly by, you know, outside forces on horseback. (laughs) Like, it it wouldn't work now because of airplanes and everything. But, I mean, back when a horse was your Mm -hmm. best technology, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, they developed gunpowder. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... I mean, I think they're an interesting people, and I think they have an interesting land, you know, but I would like to explore it, but it's just, I don't think it's really feasible for an American to, uh, even for a Chinese civilian to actually explore their own country, you know? Yeah. A lot of areas off limits. If you're an outsider, you're guaranteed being watched the entire time. Oh, really? Yeah. You know? Yep. Crazy. I mean, even Saudi Arabia would be pretty cool. You know, go through the deserts out there and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff on this planet. Still ride camels out there. I mean, you know, yeah. they have the modern <laughs> transportation too, but, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot of. <laughs> yeah, but a camel can actually go further than a, like a land cruiser because. 
You know, Land Cruiser, you run out of fuel, you're Yeah, done. you can't, not too many gas stations <laughs> out here in the desert. <laughs> no, but that camel, I mean, he'll walk for oh yeah, months, yep. weeks, you know. <laughs> Crazy. I saw something the other day that said they can drink up to 91 liters of water in like three minutes or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, how? Yeah. Isn't there four liters a gallon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't understand how they can do that. But. So they're drinking like twenty gallons in three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, think of Tibet. You know, I'm not saying I'd want to climb Everest or anything, but you know, just a civilization that's survived. You know, what is it, twenty thousand feet or something like that? Mm-hmm. Eighteen thousand feet for ever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's wild. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. You know, I'd like to I'd like to see it. And I'm not saying if I won the lottery I'd do all that. You know, cuz that's a lot of money to travel your right. entire life and Oh yeah. Do all that stuff. Well, there wouldn't be anything left for the kids, but yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I guess if I take one trip like that, I mean, I think I'd better go to Africa. Yeah, you know, safari or something, you know. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. That would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, I would, I would yeah. definitely be in Africa at the pyramids in Egypt. But you know, I know what you're saying. Deep, like in like not even the Congo, just mm-hmm. you know, somewhere on the Sahara or not the Sahara, the uh, Serengeti. Yeah. You know, see some lions or rhino, <laughs> zebra. Well. 20-foot crocodile, <laughs> hippos. Those are two that I don't like. I mean, you know, I like, to, and I like to see them, but those are two animals. <laughs> oh, jeez, I just, I don't know. I don't like, you know, crocodiles, and I don't like hippos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I kind of like hippos. I, don't, I wouldn't want to be around a hippo. No. But I think they're pretty cool. Well, yeah. Not crocodiles, yeah, so I don't I like, think they're cool. <laughs> no. Do you know that hippos are actually close, closest related to a whale? Oh, really? I guess I never heard that one. And then when you look back at, like, assuming this is all real, like the fossil record of whales, they were once a land mammal. Huh. You know, and they slowly started evolving, like, flippers and stuff on their limbs because they were probably in the water like hippos were, <clears throat> like, like hippos are. And then just gradually became what we know today as a whale. But yeah, they, you know, huh. like even their the skeletons and their fins still have like fingers and stuff, like a hand. Oh you know? yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I just actually learned that a couple That'd weeks be a ago. Large land animal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think they were that big on land. But, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but I mean, being in the ocean, you know, water lets you grow bigger. Well, you know, you don't have the same gravitational forces working on your skeletal system. Yeah. You're working with buoyancy that's kind of... Mm-hmm. Like, I'm assuming if we were to go to space and somehow survive, we'd eventually get a lot bigger. <laughs> yeah. But that still doesn't explain, like, <laughs> dinosaurs. You know, how were they so dang big? Yeah, true. <laughs> Massive. Mm-hmm crazy (laughs) um 
Greenland sharks. I'd like to go to Greenland. Iceland would probably be my first choice, but... Iceland's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting country. They have a lot of strange... <laughs> do a lot of strange things there. Their culture's pretty different than ours. Viking. <laughs> you know, it's like Norse. Yeah. You know. Probably the first world travelers. First people to make a boat out of wood mm-hmm. and actually travel the world, you know. Not just raid other villages, but like yeah. cross <laughs> oceans. Yeah. Probably the first. You know, I mean, they've found what they think is like Egyptian carvings and stuff, you know, in South America, which Mm. is like (laughs) 5,000 years before the Vikings, you Mm. know. So, I mean, maybe they weren't. And it's honestly almost ignorant to say that they were the first, but just because we have more evidence of them than the Egyptians traveling doesn't mean it didn't happen. But, I mean... You know, I don't know how else you explain pyramids in almost every country. You know, every place around the globe. Uh-huh. And then the biggest ones are in the Giza Plateau. I don't know how you explain that, but... Yeah. You know, you're looking deep into South America, and it's they've got a rich history, too, I'd like to check out. Like the Inc... Or not the Inc... Well, were the Incans down there? I'm thinking the Aztec and the Maya. Uh, yeah. But... Yeah. I'm not... I'm confused a little bit about that. There's a lot down there, though. Oh, yeah. Yep. Sure. Yeah. That'd be cool. Even some of these places, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Saxe-Homan or Gobekli-Tepe. But Gobekli-Tepe is like a... the One of the oldest, if not the oldest... Sp- basically cities that we've found um it's like dated to 11,600 years ago or something like that no i don't know i guess that's something i'm not familiar with so i don't know i never never heard that one so it's uh it's crazy it's like oh um it's like this old extremely old civilization lived there i think it's in turkey but this farmer one day was just out in his field and he sees this block of stone. And I think he tried to remove it and he started digging and digging. And then he realized it was like a T-shape. Well, then eventually somehow archaeologists get involved. They start excavating it. They're still excavating it. But it's, it, I mean, it's just a big city uh, or a civ- settlement. I don't know if you'd describe it as a city. But the more they excavate the more advanced techniques they're finding for building. So, like, the older stuff was done first, and then gradually the quality declined. So it's like some you can almost see that somehow, whether it was a village elder or a specialist and something died and didn't get to trans, you know, translate or transfer (laughs) his knowledge, or maybe the people that he was teaching didn't, get the chance to actually perfect it before they got employed in doing something either way it's gradually you know <laughs> the architecture gradually is getting better the deeper they go and actually it was filled in it looks like you know something happened and they just filled it in oh yeah with rocks yeah. and dirt yep 
Like they were done with it, or (laughs) maybe another civilization was coming to raid them, and they wanted to preserve it. But yeah, they filled it in with dirt and rocks. Wow, crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I'm, you know, I'm even guessing it might have been a preservation thing. Like the pyramids, they're so big that they're not going anywhere for a long, long time. Yeah. So maybe it was something like that, where if we bury this, yeah, one day people will find it in the future and know that we existed or whatever. But Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Saxe Homan is like um, it's just a bunch of stones. It's a stone wall, huh? And the stones all fit so tight <laughs> that you can't fit paper between them. Jeez. <laughs> like, and oh. they they look like on the edges. Imagine a brick wall. Yeah. Where the mortar would be, it looks like the edges of the stones are kind of rounded in, like they were formed by heat and smushed together. Jeez. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, they, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those questions that, jeez. Uh, yeah, what is yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's... And how'd they do it? That's the question. Yeah, how'd they do that? You know, Easter Island, I'd like to go there. Mm-hmm. See all those heads. Yeah. <laughs> like, how did they do that? Yeah. I don't even know if there's stone quarries on Easter Island to build all those. Mm-hmm. But... They're there. Yeah. You know. Real? Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Well, what else have you been up to? I see you've got your uh, new mountain bike out there. So I'm assuming your part came in and... Yeah, and uh, that's... I really... I think that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, so I got... I've been out... I rode it out through the woods there already just to check that out and that's... Looks pretty good, so I can go anywhere with that. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, you know those fat tires. <laughs> go, you know, you, you let some of the, you know, you got to have, you know, keep the air pressure down, so that helps, and you know, go, you can run over anything with it, and and it's, you know, it, it goes down the road pretty well. Uh, I think I'm gonna have really like that. So, good. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so. I still think you should uh, get a quad, though. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't mind having one, yeah. Just for moving deer or, yeah. you know, just to go out and take a little ride around the property. Right, yeah, I know. It's one of those things, yeah, it's always been on my mind, you know. Not as quiet I, as that bike, but a quad would yeah, be. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot more things you can do with a quad, but. Yeah, I mean, you could use it to move wood, too, yeah, honestly. No, yeah, right. Yep. Well, uh, tell me about your deer. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I seen, I was in my uh, a ground blind, a pop-up ground blind. And, uh, I don't know, I just sat there for quite a while and finally, I, I don't know, the deer, I finally seen a deer right in front, you know, I don't know how he got in front of me, it's so without me seeing him but he's like but he's still like 40 yards from me but I, he was behind some trees and everything I couldn't see getting you know, a good look at him and I finally got a look at his head I see so okay I thought at first it was a doe but then I see he had some antlers and at first I thought it was a small one and then he turned and looked at me and I thought oh he's I had my binoculars looking at him. I thought, okay, he's pretty nice. 
not a monster or anything, but pretty nice buck. So I decided to shoot him. So I got all set to shoot him. I was just waiting for him to come out of the behind his trees and brush where I had a shot at him. I, I sat there for I don't know how long. He couldn't. He never give me a shot. And pretty soon I seen him another a deer, probably 20 yards farther, 15, 20 yards farther, moving. You know, in that same area, but. I must. I assumed, well, that must be him. So I couldn't see his head. So he finally raised his head up. I see my antlers there, so I thought it's got to be him. But he was like 50 yards. And so I was debating on whether I wanted to take that long shot or not. But I had a good rest. I just bought a new uh, tri or uh, yeah, a tripod. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you if you were shooting yeah, off a tripod or just it, laying it on the window. No, I had a tripod. I got a new one. And it really, it's a real nice one. It's a bog. Death or death grip, and well, I had a good rest, and I was using a different bow because my bowstring was messed up. And uh, okay, I said, okay, well, I finally give me a shot. And I thought, oh, all right, so I went down three crosshairs down. <laughs> I thought well, probably about fifty yards. Without, I thought I kind of hesitated because I never shot that bow at that range, but I thought, well, try it anyway. So. I touched it off, and I seen him take off running. Well, I wasn't sure I hit him. I couldn't tell for sure. I seen him run through the brush, and I, he went through a little thick area where I was waiting for him to come out the other side. He never did, so I thought, well, what happened? He either turned and went straight away from me, or he's down right there, and I waited for, I don't know, waited a while. I walked over there, and he was, he was facing back the way he came from, <laughs> so he, he must have just, Went down, and you know, when he was running, all of a sudden he just did a little flip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I made a great shot on him. I hit him, you know, right behind the front shoulder, and the broadhead came out just in front of the back shoulder. So it kind of angled towards the right through the, you know, the hard area. And he went like 50 yards and he was dead. So he was quartering away from you? Yeah, he was quartering bit. away, so, and I hit him, you know, just about perfect. Yeah, that's so, a good... Uh, I was happy about that. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. is, the, I feel like quartering shots are actually a little better. Yeah, if they're a little quartering shot, yeah. You know, you get a little bit more surface area to run that arrow through and mm -hmm. hit something. Yeah. You know, if they're too extreme, you're only going to pass through one side of them. But, yeah. You know, there's definitely a, the angle game. Uh -huh. Instead of <laughs> being 90 degrees to you. Yeah. You know. Yep. So that was... Pretty exciting because, you know, I did make that good shot at 50 yards, and I never shot a deer that far with a bow. Well, and, uh, I mean, that's 10-yard increments on the crosshairs, right? Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. You know, I got... Zeroed at 20. Yeah. And then <laughs> every crosshair below that is 10, right? Well, I kind of assumed that, but it was, like I said, I'm not real familiar with that bow. But, I mean, that's what I was kind of going by, so and it turned out. Turned out great. And actually, I, I shot the bow after that just to check it, double check it at a target. And uh, at 50 yards, I put my target out there at 50 yards and put that crosshair on it. And I hit a, I did shot at 40 yards first, and uh, okay, that was, you know, then I used a different cr crosshair. Then I went to 50, and the one I shot at that deer, I put the same crosshair on it, and I. <laughs> 
at the little bullseye, right? You know, I was using those, probably those little round orange targets, probably as big as a 50 cent piece, and I hit the corner of it 50 yards, so I thought, okay, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. the bow's shooting good. So, <laughs> so I was, you know, kind of changed my outlook about the way I can shoot. I, I guess I never really realized you, you had that option where you could, you know, you could shoot that good at that far away. Oh, yeah. The only well, thing is flight time. Yeah, that's it. You know, you got, you know, you know that's yeah. Deer can at that distance, making they're so fast. You know, if they hear that noise, and they can move. But, yeah, I mean, I'm honestly kind of surprised he didn't crouch or anything. Yeah, must have been smelling yeah. a doe in the area and just distracted. Yep. Or you know, <laughs> I've seen some guys take shots in the wind. You know, you watch it online or whatever. You know, just. Mm. I get bored every now and then, and I watch, you know, somebody hunt deer, squirrels, or whatever online, and, you know, you got guys that are shooting 50, 60 yards in the wind, you know, and they're, <clears throat> they'll tell you, you know, I, I was aiming at his belly, the belly line, mm-hmm. expecting him to drop, you know, and they basically heart punch him, but it's like you can see that deer react to that arrow coming out with the wind. It's oh. like it makes it almost all the way to him, and then all of a sudden they react when it's like oh, yeah. 10 yards from him. Oh, know? yeah. They're yeah, not really just... reacting to the bow. They're reacting to that arrow hissing oh, yeah. at them, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. But, yeah, that's, I mean, being in the woods, wind probably wasn't as much of a factor as far no. as noise. Right. You know, so it's not really adding anything to that arrow noise. And that arrow gets there quick out of that crossbow. So yeah. it's not like, you know, mm-hmm. 50 yards with the compound. You almost got to shoot like you're going to aim under him, <laughs> you know, just so he drops into it. But. Uh-huh. A doe would probably be a little bit different right now, though, too. You know, they're alert because they're being chased. Yeah. But they're also always alert anyways, it seems like. So, you know, they're smaller, for one. I'm assuming that's a factor. They're probably more of a predator target because they're a little smaller. But, you know, and then they're being chased by bucks right now, so they're probably alert to every noise. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, probably would have had to aim under her to hit hit her at that range, but... You know? Yeah, that's one of those things that I always was, you know, never had a lot of confidence to shooting a deer at that distance because of, you know, they are so quick to react, to, they can move really quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but that turned out good, so. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll never forget that, uh, that one doe I shot, one-footed. I don't know if you remember that. I was, uh hunting with one of my exes she was out in one tree stand and i had some deer go past me to her and then i had this fawn come in and she was feeding underneath me <laughs> you know and i was chewing levi garrett at the time shout out levi garrett long leaf <laughs> and i was spitting in that doe was or the fawn was like basically right under me where i couldn't spit you know or anything <laughs> and this doe comes in she's maybe five yards to my left just the way the trail was so I could shoot from sitting if I needed to. And I'm watching them mill around, and then I don't know if she caught a downdraft of me or whatever, but she made a big circle and ran back behind me. And I was like, man, I'm gonna, I, I want to shoot this doe. And, I mean, it, you know, it was maybe about this time of year, so the fawn didn't have spots. You know, it was just a small doe. Yeah. And it was just the one with her. Well, then... You know, her fawn ran off with her, and I couldn't see the doe. I'm, You know, at this point, I'm standing. 
I'm looking around the tree. I can't see her. I'm looking around the other side. I can't see her, but I see the little fawn flick its tail. <laughs> and I'm like, she's got to be close. Well, then, <laughs> you know, I, I spot the mom, and she's just frozen, not moving. Oh, yeah. Ears aren't twitching. Tail's not twitching. And she's looking, like, almost right. Well, not at me up in the tree, but, like, right at my tree. And the way I had the stand situated, if I would have shot with my bow right along the tree... I might have been able to hit her neck, you know, like graze her chest. So I kind of had to lean around the tree a little bit, and even then I could only get her shoulder. So I I went to draw, and I, you know, I leaned out as far as I could, and I couldn't quite get on her, so I had to kind of lift my foot up a little bit to get all the way around the tree. And, you know, I touched it off. But she, I didn't aim low on her at all. You know, I went straight for, like, between the heart and the double lung. And I ended up hitting her high in the lungs. And, I mean, that was 20 yards, and she with that X-Force, you know, I was traveling almost 400 feet a second, and she dropped that much where I punched through the top. I mean, she only went 30 yards, but still it was, (laughs) Yeah, I'll never forget that, that she was that close, and I still was probably five inches higher than I wanted to be on her. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. because she was that that alert that quick and oh, right. down yeah i know they they are <laughs> they can move quick when they want to you know geez anything can i i seen them do that before i mean they'll just i think i told you once i was walking out along the north fence line out here and uh i there was some deer there and i uh, i seen them on the field but then i uh, they kind of went away, so I thought they were all, but you know, left. But I guess it was it's two there I didn't see. They were just laying there, apparently on the ground, and I almost got up to them. I didn't see them, and but they, I was really close to them before they seen me, and then they just panicked. I mean, they just bolted. They got up and I mean, in a flash, and ran right straight into that fence, and I could see them both go right into the fence, and then they just come right backwards. You know that fence, give, and they came back, and then they finally they took off, and then I stood there for a while, and they went up into this next woods there in the corner, and then pretty soon I seen them come back out, and I, I see they was one of them was bleeding out of the corner of his mouth where that where he ran into that fence, or she ran into that fence because. She hit her right with her mouth, and her, you know, she, they just, you know, they panic. That's like they, you want know, to do that on the road too. The same thing. If you're in a ditch, all of a sudden, man, if they, they panic, they just go whichever, you know, whichever way they are pointed, I guess, or something, you know, you know, they just go, you know, and they're fast. I mean, that first movement, is like, it's just amazing. Well, I don't know if I told you, but I hit one coming back from looking for Jermaine. <laughs> oh yeah. You did tell me that, but I didn't never know how, how what happened. You didn't tell me much about it, but oh yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, we can talk about that in a little bit if you want. But I was coming back, looking for Jermaine, and I'm coming up this hill. I mean, I was just. I don't even honestly. I don't even know. I'm on Price Road, and I'm doing like fifty-five. Okay, I got my brights on, I come up over this hill, and I'm up at the top of the hill, and I see these deer in the road. And I'm like, okay. Start slowing down, and they might have been like 70, 80 yards, maybe 100 yards ahead of me. 
You know, I could barely see them in my headlights at first. I saw their eyes, <laughs> and then I could see their body. So I'm slowing down, and I got down to maybe 40, 45, and they were going from my left to right. So they run across the road. I'm like, okay, cool. The second I take my foot off the brake, <laughs> another deer that I couldn't see that was off to my left must have been running with those two. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to miss out and get separated oh, yeah. by five <laughs> seconds. So she just literally out of nowhere just takes off. And the last thing I remember, I have this freeze frame image of like her legs behind her. <laughs> like, you know how you got the John Deere label where, yeah. you know, or the logo yeah. where both legs or front legs right. are out, back legs are out. Well, she was hoofing it. Oh. And what I'm thinking is she hit that road and her hooves slipped. Oh, yep. So her legs were like tucked up behind her like Superman, you know, flying. <laughs> or and I guess not Superman because he flew, flew with his arms out in front of him. But anyway, so her arms are like legs are behind her. And then she clips my headlight and then she dented my front quarter panel where I couldn't even open the door hardly to get out to check on her. I had to bend it all the heck to get out. Jeez. But yeah, so she <laughs> dove head first into the car. And I mean, <laughs> if she'd have been a quarter second quicker, I'd have punched her square with the middle of the mm-hmm. grill, but she like hit the light and kind of bounced, you know yeah. what I mean? So, and if I'd have been a quarter second earlier, she'd have ran into my window, mm-hmm. you know, and done like, Mom did down here with, was it Greg or Brandon? She was driving and that deer ran into the back window and <laughs> yeah, covered him with glass. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd have been like that, you yeah. know? She'd have dove right in and uh, might have killed me because she was hauling. Jeez. You know, I mean, I can't imagine 150, 160 pounds breaking through your window yeah. while you're doing 40, 45. You know, mm. that's a broken neck at least. Yeah. Jesus. So then there was that and then I got pulled over. I got on 27 because I was done backroading. I was going to backroad it, you know, take DeWitt or whatever, you know, get on 21, get off on DeWitt, do all that. And I was like, man, I don't want to hit another deer. And like 10 minutes after that, there was a buck that ran out in the road in my lane, and I only had the one headlight. So, I, you know, I'm on my brakes like hard now i'm slamming on him and i go to kind of swerve around him and he acted like he was going to run the way you know to my left which is the way i was swerving and then he kind of did like a big pivot and then went back to where he came from but it's like he took that one big step in the direction i was going it's like (laughs) why yeah you know what makes you do that so anyway then i got pulled over and then the cop was like well i was going to tell you you have an out headlight but i see you don't even have a headlight I was like, yeah, I hit a deer like 10 minutes ago. And uh, he's like, all right, well, can I get your license and registration? I'm like, dude, I'm going to be honest. I don't have insurance on it, and I don't have, my tabs are expired. And he's like, okay. Why are you out driving tonight? And I told him, I was like, I just, I'm on my way back from looking for my nephew. And he was like, all right, well, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to run your license as long as everything's good. Just get out of here, get home, you know. Because I told him, I'm like, I didn't want to bring my other vehicle down because my wife's at home with the kids. You know, she needs that. All the car seat stuff's in there. He's like, <laughs> all right. So then he comes back and he's like, you know, when you get into Gratiot County, 
you're probably going to get stopped again. You know, he's like, I can't guarantee what's going to happen, but just tell him like he told me. And mm-hmm. luckily, I didn't get stopped and crash <laughs> it. But yeah, well, well, yeah, no, that's you know, yeah, well, this cop did the nice right thing here. You know, man, oh man, you know, it was unfortunate that we were, you know, things happen. You had to <laughs> looking for Jermaine, and then you get a deer on the way home. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of my fault, you know. I should have been going slower. I know what time of year it is. I've lived here my whole life. You know, I've driven half of it. Like, I know that deer are going to be running. And, you yeah. Know, it's, yeah not, I it's not like all the corn's cut either, so you can, oh, I don't you know. I mean, it's literally right up along the road. At any second, a deer could jump out, you know. Huh. Yeah, I've had that happen once last year. I mean, right out of a cornfield, and I mean... It was a big, pretty good-sized buck. For some reason, you just, you know, the corn, you know, the, right up the edge of the road. Most of the farmers now, I mean, you know. You know. Yeah, money. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they want every <laughs> little inch of ground they can get. I don't know, I just, deer just was so, come bolting out of that cornfield so fast, like he was spooked, but it was at night. And he just shot right across in front of me. You know, I mean, we just made it, but I mean, I didn't have a chance to do anything. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, you just all because they come out of there so fast, and I mean, that cornfield is right beside the right up the edge of the road. And I mean, he just come flying out of there like you, something spooked him. But you know, he didn't just step out or not. He was <laughs> he was like flat out <laughs> flying, <laughs> full sprint. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, also being a prey animal, I can only imagine if you take that second or two to kind of evaluate the situation yeah, before no, you I react, mean, you probably die a lot quicker. Than, right. Yeah, you got to get out of there. I mean, it's anything that, that's why, they, they, you know, they have that instinct that they can move on something spooks them. And they have that instinct to survive, survival instinct, and they can react fast. So, I mean, in all reality, the odds are probably in their favor, you know. More yeah. of them probably survive because of that than die. But oh yeah, yep. I mean, <laughs> you know, let's say it's even one percent of them. If you know, if they take time to kind of evaluate, it might be three percent of them. So oh yeah, you know, they'll take the one percent. Yeah. But I was gonna talk to you too. I think you need to start killing more does. <laughs> well, we got one issue, DJ Sherwin. Yeah. Yes, he did. But I think. Uh, you know, I think that's what I'm going to try to do. I don't think I'm going to make it out for archery, but gun season, I think I'm going to try to kill a couple does, because all I'm seeing are does. I mean, I'll see the occasional buck, even in town. Like the other day, I was driving home from work, and there's this field by a, by the church on Michigan. And there's like eight, nine does out there, and one, re- I mean, he was a really nice buck. <laughs> you know, and he's trotting across the field to all those does but it's like there's eight nine does out there i didn't see a single yearling they were all big but i mean not as big as him obviously but it's like those are all mature does the only deer i've hit in the last five years have been does the only deer i see dead on the side of the road 90 95 98 percent of them are does you might see one occasionally with its head cut off that's a buck but yeah i mean it's all that's all it is you know, and we're not going to have... Oh, I know. There's too many does. Definitely is. 
you know i mean we're we're just we're not gonna have uh the opportunity for you know because at a certain point the population is going to start checking itself yeah but you're also gonna increase disease spread mm-hmm. you know the more deer there are the yeah. quick the quicker it's going to spread yeah and the higher likelihood of it being a big deal you know if deer shoulder to shoulder instead of you know <laughs> spaced every hundred yards or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know it's right yeah i don't know it'd probably be a good for the health wise for the deer herds to get rid of a few more does i mean eliminate or limit the doe population or the deer population yeah that'd be a healthier deer herd I mean, I've heard of people talk about the Ernebuck. Have you heard anything about that? No, I haven't heard that. <clears throat> I think it's something that we should instate. Where in order to kill a buck, you have to kill a doe. Oh, okay, yeah. Kill mm-hmm. a doe first. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah that's probably be a good, uh, good way to do it. Uh, so many people won't shoot does, I don't know. You know, shoot bucks only. <laughs> yeah. Never would shoot a doe, but... But that, that's that's the other thing I don't understand. It's like if you're out for meat, yeah. If you're gonna, you know, if you want to brag to your buddies, like, hey, you know, look at this, look at this year's deer. You know, I got another one that's a hundred thirty inch deer. That's one thing. But if you're giving your buddies jerky, hmm. having a couple beers, and then showing them a deer, being like, hey, you know, I just got his head back. You know, he's or whatever. You know, I just got this mount back. But here's a bag of jerky from. Hmm. two of the does i killed earlier you know yeah like that's i feel like that'd be a lot more immersive uh yeah. you know to is yeah. as far as like a not necessarily a peer pressure thing but just a positive influence on you know your your social group of hunters like hey you know you don't have to kill a big buck every year you know hey you don't have to have a big deer on trail cam that you're showing me i'd rather share jerky with you <laughs> yeah. and then you know we I mean, come on, if you're an outdoorsman, it'd be cool, you know, you're with a couple buddies fishing, mm-hmm. you bring a bag of <laughs> elk cow jerky, I'll bring a bag of doe jerky, like, I feel like that's more impressive than a big head on the wall that you can hang a, you know, a dozen hats on or whatever, right. <laughs> or a wedding ring like Fred Trost, you know, if if I can hang my ring on it, I count it as a point, it's like, okay, dude. Uh-huh. You know, but, I mean, that's just, I feel like that's become a stigma, and it's it's honestly something that's kind of annoys me, because, you know, as a hunter, I mean, I'd like the meat first, and I, I've got a story regardless, mm-hmm. whether it's oh, yeah. a monster doe, a monster buck, a yeah. yearling fawn, like, whatever it is, I have a story. If it's a squirrel, I have a story, you know, if it's, and then I can share that story. And if it's a bigger game animal, like a deer or an elk, you've got more to share, which is going to get your story spread further. Now, if you shoot a world record buck or a state record buck, obviously your story is going to go a little further than shooting a big doe. But to the people that it matters to, you know, your family, your, your social circle, your friend circle, if you can give out some steaks or some jerky. Yep. You know, I mean, cool. If you want to kill a big buck, kill a big buck, but still kill a couple does and give that meat away to the people around you. Be, you know, be a positive influence on the herd 
that you yeah. that you care so much about that you're hunting a big buck, but also be a positive influence on your social group that says, "Hey, you know, you need some meat. I got I got some." Yeah. You like jerky? I like jerky. Here's some jerky. You know, go tell your friends about it. Hey, you know, I got a buddy that killed a couple does. Here's some jerky from him. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when you're only pointing at a European mount or a shoulder mount or even a rack, it's like that's cool. You got anything to share from it? Nah, I got 30 pounds of meat back. I'm sorry, I don't have any steaks for you. Mm. You know? It's like, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're allowed to kill, like, what, five deer a year now? I don't know. Is there any limit on those? <laughs> many well, it, you can... well, I mean, you get two bucks, and I think you can buy three three does, right? But I, I don't know if I there's can't... a limit on those tags or not. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I, can't, I can't remember. I, I know don't... at one point... There was a, you could only get like a, I feel like you could only get three, three does. I don't know if there is now or not. Yeah, I don't know for sure either. I hope not. Yeah. Because like I said, I'd like to put a hurt on them come gun season. <laughs> put it in hard for those two weeks and mm-hmm. the goal would be to kill four of them. Yeah. And then, you know, that put me, <laughs> I'd yep. be sitting good till next June, July. Oh well, yeah. You- Turn two two or three of them to burger and then mm-hmm. you know you take obviously your prime cuts for steaks out of all of them your prime cuts for jerky out of all of them but two-thirds of that would be burger i mean yeah it'd be a lot maybe some sausage yeah you know yeah so anyway i think you should kill more does <laughs> i do well, i do i was thinking if i shoot another buck then I, I'm going to have to buy a doe tag so I can keep hunting. <laughs> <laughs> just so I can hunt. I just want to be out in the woods. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the now, biggest I'm thing. I'm kind of limited anyway with my bucks now. I got a restricted, you know, I shot that one, so I'm, I'm making only... Four on know, one? Four on one side, yeah. Didn't he have four on one side? No, that was... Oh, yeah, he did. He why, did four, why didn't you just right, burn... four and two, but... Why didn't you burn that tag? Uh, <laughs> I mean, technically... <laughs> yeah, I know I could have, I guess... It, <laughs> I mean, technically, you could have punched it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of the day when I was out hunting. I thought, geez, I was in such a hurry. I got up a little late after I got woke up early. Then I went too early. And I shut my alarm off. Then I, when I woke up, I thought, well, if I hurry, I can get out there before daylight. So I kind of rushed, and I got away out there. I didn't have my uh, binoculars. I'm a rangefinder. I guess bought a new rangefinder. I didn't tell you that. But Vortex uh, or what? Uh, what brand? It's Vortex, yeah. 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 But I thought, well, no, I'm mean, got a restricted license. I got to make sure the deer's got at least four on one side. And I don't have my binoculars too. I got to have, you know, it kind of helps when <laughs> I want to make sure if I see a deer out there far enough away, I, I got to count all the points on one side before um, I can shoot it. Unless it's obvious. Yeah, unless <laughs> it's obvious. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah, ten yards, and he's a yeah. ten point tall tines. I don't think you gotta yeah. you don't worry about it too right. much. But yeah, yeah, be like that one I seen last year. Jeez, I think I don't know. He had four or five points on one side. It was a big rag, but that was it. He didn't have one on the other side. <laughs> oh, he broke off. Apparently, you know. Yeah, I guess seen that one two or three times. I'm like. 
trail cam, you know, so. Not even a stub? Just clean uh, brake? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That would be weird, but I seen him, I thought, wow, there's a nice one, but first seen him, you know, seen that nice track on one side, but nothing on the other. <laughs> <laughs> It'd still count, four on one side. Yeah. yeah. I was like, <clears throat> uh, who was telling me the other day they shot 11 point. 11 point, yeah, you know. Spike. Spike, spike yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two ones. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like 11 point, one horn on each side. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They don't see that many spikes anymore. I think I remember seeing one last year has really big spikes on it, but man, I used to see a lot of spikes, but you know, most, you know, most those bucks you see, at least got some. You know, a little fork. Yeah, a little fork or six point or some small six. Used to see a lot of those spikes. Yeah, I mean, you know, even if those spikes get older, you know, they'll fork out and be oh, yeah. nice deer, but. Yeah. You know, you got a nice little basket rack eight, you let him go three more years and he might be in the 140 class, you know. <laughs> just, <clears throat> it's just sad because a lot of people, again, you know, I feel like they just want to, they don't want to go back to their friend group and be like, I didn't kill a buck this year. You know, they would rather just kill anything that's got horns. Yeah. And then deal with having their friends make fun of them because it's smaller or whatever than, yeah. than passing on a deer. And, <laughs> right. Or just handing out jerky, being like, well, I don't have any horns to show you this year. No horn soup, but I do have jerky. Yeah. You know. I, uh, I got a one point once. <laughs> Single side spike? No, I uh, I shot the spike and he was down, you know. So I was walking up to him. I hit my shot him. I shot him with a shotgun, and I was up. I'm only twenty yards from him. He gets up again and takes off. I thought he was dead, and he was running straight every straight away from me. So I oh, I got to shoot him again. So I tried to shoot him in the head, back of the head, but I blew one of his spikes off. <laughs> <laughs> hit him right there, blew that spike and blew it right off. So. And knock yeah, put him, him down. down though. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say it should have knocked him down. So. Yeah. So I had a deer with I had a spike with just one horn and and a crater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a crater on one side. <laughs> that was hole in the horn. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's again like that. It's still a memory. Yeah. You know, it's still yeah, a story. Yeah, yep. You know. Yeah, but he just got up and was running straight away. I didn't have any options. I, you know, I, I tried to shoot him in the back of the head. <laughs> I did basically. I got up and running too. That's, yeah, not, he was running. that's not easy. But he went too far, so you know he was. Cl- I was close enough to him, so I didn't have to. You know, if he'd have been a little farther away, I probably would have missed him. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he was gonna die anyway. You know, he, he just. I thought he was already dead, but he just got up and had a little burst there. Was that with the Mossberg? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. like I don't like that gun. <laughs> oh, man. Th- three inch only, right? Or is it yeah. three and three and a half? You, you could shoot. No, just three inch. Yeah, I wasn't a three and a half inch gun, but I don't want to shoot three and a half inch slug. No, I don't like shooting three. Inch. No. You know what? <laughs> that, that gun. DJ's sucks. got a. He just. Got a uh, Charles Daly's dad got it for him his birthday. We were shooting some skeet, you know, shooting two and three quarters. And he wanted to go hunting, rabbit hunting, 
I said, well, I could find you some shells. The only thing I could find was three inch. So Jesus. <laughs> we went out there and we took, you took it out hunting first. He didn't see nothing. So we was go shoot it a couple of times with those three inch. When was this? Oh, I don't know. This was, well, his birthday was October 3rd. So we were on back. We oh, a couple of weeks ago. walnuts off a tree. And he shot it first. Oh, no. He shot it and he came in. He says, <laughs> you want me to shoot it? I said, okay. So I went out there. <laughs> Man, I don't know. That, that gun is wicked with three inches. You don't want to shoot it. I said, holy crap, and I wouldn't want to shoot in a three and a half. That thing almost blew my shoulder off. I mean, holy crap, that thing. I mean, you know, it was a heavy brass, high brass shell. I was shooting, I think it was a six load or something. Yeah. But man, oh man, that thing rocked you. Yeah, but imagine trying to move an ounce slug out of that thing. Oh, it's huge. Or what are they, ounce and, and a half, two ounces? You wouldn't want me shooting through a scope. But that scope would go right through your head. <laughs> My God. Yeah, I don't. You'd, yeah, I know. I want to be using open sights. Yeah, I don't like your Mossberg as it is. I can't oh. imagine. I mean, it's not that it's light. Cause, I mean, it's, it is pretty light. It's not that, the heaviest thing. That thing gun, always but. scared me when I was. Uh, it cut me once on my scope, you know, so I was always nervous shooting that thing. I mean, I've honestly probably only shot it <laughs> four or five times. And, as, you know, I wasn't, mm-hmm. not like I am like I am now, you know, I was smaller, yeah. y- younger too. I might have been 15, 16 the last time I shot it, but not a fan, <laughs> you know. Oh, man. No, I wasn't either. It's like that Ot 6. I don't mind the Ot 6. But oh, that, yeah, yeah. but that Mossberg, it, something about the recoil on that thing is just. Oh jeez. It's not just really snappy, but it's really pushy. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it punches you and shoves you at the same time. The Ot Six just kind of punches you, and it's done. You know. Mm-hmm. Pow. But that that Mossberg, it's like it's got a, <laughs> it's got a shove with the punch. It's crazy. Yep. One of my favorite stories though is your. Uh, I think we've told it on the podcast that the dough you shot out back with your muzzleloader, you were just going to empty it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That and then the dough you shot out of the pond stand that basically drowned herself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are interesting stories. But, again, they're doughs. It's a good yeah. story. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, I mean, that, so d- what do you remember about the dough out of the pond stand? Because I don't think we told about that one on here well uh I, you know i've seen that uh, doe coming and <laughs> i don't know it was a strange night that night but <laughs> wasn't that far of a shot but she took off and then we i did you know I get down this tracking her. <laughs> and she wind up in the water. <laughs> and some reason I you know, she just she was a lot you know, went in the water. I know she was I don't know if she just painted because she'd been shot, but and she just, you know, drowned. She was in the water, you know. I don't know how that ever happened, but <laughs> It was strange. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at her. It's just, what are the odds? 
Yeah, I know. Because it's not like there's a lot of water out there. You got two ponds. Yeah. In the springtime, half the woods is water, but you know, it's yeah, only it's a sp- foot deep. Maybe two foot in places, but yeah, this time of year it's usually just the pond, which is yeah, maybe forty yards across and <laughs> twenty yards wide. That was strange. <laughs> that one was my. That one I was just gonna go out for dark and shoot just to shoot my muzzleloader because I was gonna go hunting the next day. I wanted to shoot it so I could reload it. Cause then you know it was my old cap and ball. You know you you didn't trust those after one day. You know hunting. You know they get moisture in that powder. You didn't know if it'd go off or not. So you had to shoot them and clean them and then reload it. So I just went out back, stepped out back door. And, I stand there for a minute, and all of a sudden a doe walks out of the swale and is standing there. <laughs> it was about 90 yards. I said, well, okay, well, I got something to shoot at. Empty my gun. <laughs> so I just pulled up, aimed, shot, and he, she turned around and ran backwards, ran back where she came from, and I was, there was a lot of water there then. So I thought, well, I walked out there, but I said, I got to get my boots. So I came back and got my boots, and geez, that deer didn't go like, 25, 30 yards of land there in the water. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say, she didn't go far either. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that was strange. You know, you just hunt, not go out in the woods all day, you know, and don't even see anything. And then you just go out one night to shoot my gun, just to shoot it, unload it. And it was deer going to cooperate for me. But <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but. Well, when you got as many does around as there is, I mean, it's bound to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm going to say it happened to both Mike and Matt. Mike shot at a doe here. I went right off the deck once, so did Matt. Yeah, I remember Mike's. Yeah, you called me at work. <laughs> it was before the rails were on the porch, too. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, right out here in the swale, it was probably <laughs> yeah. 40 yards. Yeah, and Matt did the same thing, and then that deer, well, we tracked that deer all the way, um, we get close to the river, but before we got there, somebody else had already found it, they'd already, you know, so we found them, we'd been tracking, they said, you've been tracking that deer, and I said, they found it, so we get, they give it to us, and we drag it all the way back to the house. <laughs> I remember telling Matt, I said, next time you go to the river, shoot a deer down there and have him go this way, towards the house. <laughs> yeah. So the other way, you know, it's a lot easier to drag them, you know. But already the house, you don't have to drag them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Backwards, shot it off the deck, and then that thing went all the way to the river. Yeah, not ideal. No. <laughs> That's uh, <clears throat> Matt Kent did that once too out here, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. Y- yeah. Shot a seven point that ran. <laughs> yeah. Back from the river and died like up here in this field or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, that was cool. I only got about a hundred yard drag. Yeah. <laughs> Did, was, wasn't you in on that? Hoping to drag it out of there or something? Yeah, like yeah. I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a bad deer either. It was like no, a seven point that was or a something. Nice, but... nice buck. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's why, you know, it reminds me how the, everybody used to, how the environment changes so much. I mean, geez. Back here, we used to hunt a lot on that one big oak tree. You know, you can't, it, it's just getting 
thick. No, it was real open when we first moved here. I mean, well, I could see all the way back here from the house. Now it's everything is growing up so bad you can't even hardly you know it's so thick back here you can't even hunt out of there. Now it's you'd have to cut some shooting lanes. So, but it's the same way around. Uh, you know, there used to be all these pheasants around here. It used to be you know right across the road here. Mm -hmm. It was all swale and woods on both you know and farther down. It's all gone now. It's all farmland. You know so and they're doing the same thing straight down the road everywhere. I mean it's just. There's nothing left. I mean, it won't soon. There won't be any left. Any everything <coughs> is going to be farmland eventually. I know. I'd like to. If I won the lottery, I'd buy a big talk to the state and see about buying this property out here. Because eventually, I know they're going to sell it because it's just being encroached on. You know. Yeah. It's you know it's the biggest patch of state land I think in the <laughs> you know southern half of the lower peninsula, and it you know. You don't find any this size again until you start getting up by National Forest, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it runs past Ashley all the way to, you know, other side. Of, well, past Maple. Yeah. Past Carson. I mean, it's oh yeah, there's long, long stretch here. Yeah. There's some along the, along the Maple River there, yeah, quite a ways. But. Yeah, but I mean, it, you know, it goes back up behind Ashley mm. and everything. It goes a long ways. Yeah. You know, once you get on the other side of Ashley, it starts opening up to the north and the south again. It gets wider and, uh -huh. you know, but eventually, you know, like I said, farmland and everything is right up to the edge of it right now. <laughs> yeah. Years ago, everybody had, it was ditches, you know, and you had everybody, all the farmland had, well, you had fences along all their fields and everything. So, you you know, along those fences, fence rows, you know, there was always a lot of, you know, you had Ten yards on both sides, you know. So that was all good cover. Mm-hmm. That's all gone. Yep. And with that, went the pheasants. And yeah, the pheasants. It, I mean, honestly, a lot of the fox and everything. Oh, geez, yeah. Everything's yeah. gone because of it. Crazy. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's everywhere. I mean, it's you know, there's only <laughs> so much left, and it's getting smaller and smaller. I mean, the last pheasant I even killed, you know, was couple of years before we lost Lexi, you know, we yeah. watched, we'd watched one land across the road, uh, kind of by the power pole. And then, uh, we went out, got him and, you know, she loved birds. So like <laughs> a couple days later, we watched one coast into the swale out here and, uh, went out and got that one. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was literally within a couple of days we got a couple, but that was, you know, I don't even know if I'd want to kill one now, but it's just, yeah, it's just the fact that you know, mm -hmm. and it's not like they were abundant back then, but you would see them, you know, you'd be oh, out yeah, chasing bunnies and jump them. So to me, yeah. it was like, ah, oh, cool, you know, two pheasants in a couple of days, two three days, whatever, you know. Yeah, we used to see. Well, you used to hear them every year. I mean, you know, you hear them out cackling, you know, and mm -hmm. then you see them too, especially. Or dark, it flying into the swale, you know, all the time. But I haven't seen one for a couple of years around here. Or strut across the yard. Yeah, even across the road. I mean, they're just fewer and fewer. Yeah, woodcock too. I yeah. think we've talked about that. But you <laughs> yeah, know, Lux like used to like woodcock. Oh yeah, I yeah. liked it because I could never find them. 
You know, you could shoot one, <laughs> watch it go down, and spend 25 minutes looking for it. Yeah. But she would yeah. find it, like, instantly. That's why you need a dog. <laughs> yeah, she'd be on it instantly. Yeah. You know? Well, it used to be grouse here, too. I've hunted grouse here years and years ago, and I haven't seen any grouse around here in years. But Quail? Quail, too. Yep. Used to be flocks of quail around. Where all that soil I was talking about used to be across the road right here. That's all gone, so and so are the quail. Yeah, I rem- I know I've only killed one Bob White in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> that was with my pellet gun. <laughs> you remember that? Ah, uh, not really. You'd have to kind of re- jar my memory a little bit. Well, <clears throat> you know, I about, about every day I'd walk up and down the road shooting chipmunks. And then right by the sign, right there that alerts you to the curve. Oh, yeah. That brush pile under there. I saw something moving. I'm standing there looking. I was about this time of year. I'm standing there watching it. And then I see it's got like a white stripe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and then he takes a couple steps and I'm like, oh, that's a quail. <laughs> so I just plopped him with the pellet gun really quick. <laughs> you know, that's the only quail I've ever shot. And then like two years later, I remember seeing under the bird feeder here in the middle of winter, there was a covey of probably like 20. Uh, yeah. Remember them? Yeah. They'd they'd walk from out of the swale yeah. to the bird feeder and then just walk across the open field somewhere. It's like, mm-hmm. what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you're out in the open like that, hawks or you know, at least kestrels. Oh. <laughs> and then uh the last last time I remember seeing quail was probably like maybe May or June. With Hunter, he was, we were walking back in the woods, and back behind the rock pile, we busted a couple, and then we sat down kind of on the edge of the rock pile there, and then they started peeping to each other, mm-hmm. coming back. I mean, they literally just, it might have been like 10, and they scattered in every direction. Yeah. <laughs> so we just sat down, and then you could hear them oh, yeah, locating we... each other, coming back together. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool, but. Yeah. Not, you know. No, I was woodcockers. Uh, was fun because you used to have woodcockers here every, you know, springtime. They would always fly around. You could, you know, day and night, you can hear that mating call. You know, flying around, and then they would do that little dive and do that little, what I, like a whistle. Yeah, you know, that was pretty interesting. You used to listen to that a lot. That was always fun. But, well, we used to. I, I don't know. We still have water here, but, you know, the it's changed a little bit. I mean, it was a lot more trees there now, but there was a lot of cattails before. I don't know if that, you know, the environment changed to why they don't show up like they did before. I used to, I used to find nests on the ground all the time out here, woodcock nest. But. I think the only thing that's changed in the environment is the raccoons. Yeah, they wipe out everything, a lot of ground birds who lay eggs and stuff, you know, you Skunks and possums too, but possums. mainly the raccoons. They, I mean, the possum population seems to have been pretty stable, but the raccoons, yeah. my God, <laughs> ridiculous. Ah, uh, yeah, yep. There was a study. I think I brought it up before, but I don't remember the exact number. But somewhere here in the Midwest, I'm pretty sure it was Michigan. They did a study 
and it was an average of like 380 some raccoons per square mile <laughs> jesus and you've got to figure that you know it might not have been an area quite like this where it's more rural but even then if you're in an area that's farmland and you know suburb that's not a square mile of woods that's yeah maybe 80 acres of woods in that square mile that you have 300 plus raccoons living <laughs> yeah i know there's lots of them I yeah got a problem with them but he's yeah i know when when i brought uh drew drew out here squirrel hunting we found that one on the oh yeah tree stand and i asked him like you want to kill him he's like yeah you, you serious i'm like yeah you're just helping grandpa you know doing damage control he'll like that <laughs> You know, property management doesn't yeah. doesn't stop at, you know, managing vegetative growth or, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. It's everything, you know, fox and, I mean, predator population for one, the deer population, all that, you know, it's tied in. Yep. And it does get frustrating sometimes because it's like, you know, how, when are they going to stop? Because it's just constant raccoons. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, that, I remember those, I don't know, a couple, two or three years ago, I found this big, uh, uh, out behind the second pond, geese had a, made a nest. I just seen them, I was walking up there and I seen them take off and I walk over there and then I had a great big nest. There were like 17 or 18 eggs in there, you know. So I went back and checked it and they had it all covered up you know with feathers and stuff you know i said well, okay see how that goes at the same time <clears throat> up towards the end of the woods out here i found another big nest a turkey nest and they had lots of eggs in that one too and so i was kind of keeping track i don't know a few days you know later i went out and checked them out <laughs> uh they were both uh, destroyed all the eggs are gone, you know, and I mean, you know, coons. Oh, yeah. Possum, they, you know, that's the way, yeah, you just, I don't know how they, you know, it's such a tough, there's so many coons, you know, they just wipe out everything like that. Yeah, <clears throat> but I mean, also, you know, they're destructive on property. Oh, you know, geez. they're not quite diggers like people think, but. You know, like the bird feeders, for example. Oh, geez, yeah. You can't feed birds without raccoons tearing apart your feeders or, yeah. you know. And I mean, and it's not just that. You know, they get into stuff. Huh. You know, they like tearing stuff apart. So, you know, if you have anything. They can climb right up those p- poles, on, you know, those steel poles I have for my bird, uh, birdhouses on there. Reach right in there and grab the eggs out of there. Yeah. Or, or huh, little babies. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and they're not they're not shy to do it either. No. But that's the thing, you know, is a lot of people probably question like how are raccoons doing, you know, damage. It's like, well oh, you know, it's not just the bird population, it's I mean, literal like I said, property damage too, but mm. you know, they're just uh Well do a lot of crop damage too. Yeah. They're <clears throat> destructive. Yeah. You go out on a cornfield right now and you start seeing corn stalks pushed over. Oh, yeah. It's not because deer are pushing them over. It's because of raccoons. They push them down so they can get to the ears. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> they can't climb a stalk like that because it'll break. Uh-huh. So that's what they do is they push it all down. Yep. You know, and then you get a double-edged thing where turkeys can come in and they can pick off some of that corn that they push down. But 
yeah, they're not, they are not friendly to really much, you know, <laughs> then you live in the city, they're getting into your garbage, you yeah. know, they can be pretty aggressive. Yep. They'll, they me- can be. they'll mess with your cats and your dogs <laughs> and yeah, uh, you know, but people, they have that charismatic thing where they're cute. So people are like, yeah. oh, come on. They can't be yeah. that bad. They got little hands. Mm-hmm. You know, they make these yeah. little noises. I got to tell you, I think they are, the little ones, they are cute when they're small. But that's, They are. <laughs> they, but when they get bigger, then they can get pretty destructive. So, I mean, they're still cute, but they're not cute yeah. as in, you know, by, by traits. Yeah. They're cute by appearance. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and then on the opposite end, you got possums. People, you know. They think they're disgusting looking, scary looking. But I, you know, I think they actually have more positives than negatives. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> springtime or ground nesting birds, they're destructive. But they eat everything. You know, they eat ticks. They they eat a raccoon that you kill, you know, that <laughs> you know, they they find that body, they eat the carcass. Yeah, they're they they're cleaning up roadkill. You know, I mean, they're mm-hmm. You know, their main <laughs> target is carrion. You know, they're eating they're they're scavenging they're eating whatever's dead once in a while you know they find a nest of eggs yeah but they're also slow moving enough that you know as long as that mother bird is there most of the time they can fight them off because as you know possums aren't really that aggressive toward anything you know yeah yeah i mean a goose is gonna whoop a possum's butt (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) yeah but that raccoon is a lo- you know a lot more put up a lot more of a fight mm-hmm. and that's not to say fox don't get into the nest and stuff like that but for the most part you're worried about like uh the poults the baby turkeys or yeah. the baby pheasants that the fox get yeah you know well as i told you too i got another fox on my trail cam oh, you sent I me a picture you. of oh, it I did, I, yeah okay Yep. So. Maybe that's what I'll make this uh, <laughs> the uh, photo for this episode is uh, that fox he had out here messing oh. with that fawn. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was it. I'll have I'll have to get a screenshot off your phone from it, but yeah, tell to go ahead and tell that. I don't remember if we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't remember when that was, but I happened to. Well, was this spring? Well, yeah. Was it the spring? Yeah, it might have been like June. Well, it was. Yeah, I happened to look out the window and I was just looking out the deck and, oh, I, and I seen this, seen a fox out there. Then I, I seen a little fawn, and uh, I was watching for a little while, and that, that fox he was trying to stalk that little baby fawn. He'd be, but the fawn wasn't having nothing to do with it. I mean, you know, they were kind of a standoff. The fox would get up close to him, and then that fox, or the, the doe would, the little fawn, I'm sorry, he would kind of run towards the fox, and the fox would turn around and run. But that fox was, he was trying to get that that fawn. But <laughs> yeah. he tried a long time. He kept taking breaks, and then, you know, the fawn didn't go very far. And, you know, they, the fox would keep an eye on him, and <clears throat> we thought, the furniture around the, the fox would try and make a sneak up on him a little bit, but when he'd get close, the furniture around, see him, and they would be a little standoff, and then 
the fawn eventually kind of jump at him, and then the fox would turn around and run again. So that went on quite a while. There was, I watched him quite a while, but eventually, I I was standing right on that deck, right? And they they you know I wasn't that far. There's probably forty yards maybe. And uh, I thought the fox could see me. You know, he looked up towards my way a couple of times, but he didn't run or anything. He just he was sitting down in the grass and just keep an eye on that fawn. Fawn would move around a little bit. He'd just get a little closer. They just kept chasing him around a little bit, but every time he'd get close, the fawn would just stop and turn around, and, and he'd kind of make a little motion towards that fox again, and that fox would turn around and run. So and I just kept going on like that for a long time. Well, they, uh, it looked like the fawn was turned his back on him for a minute, and that fox was going to get getting pretty close to him, and I was starting I was kind of panic. I didn't want him to get that little fawn, so <laughs> I kind of yelled, and the fox took off running. And as soon as that fox took off running, the mother, though, I'd say I never seen her until that, that fox took off, and then she started chasing that fox. So she chased him out of there. But she was right there somewhere, but I never seen her. But that was pretty interesting. I never seen that before. The fox chasing that little fawn around, but he didn't get her. Not that time, anyway. Maybe later, but <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that the mama doe didn't. Yeah, I know. wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it was. I was sure he was going to get that little fawn, but that fawn just kept standing his ground, and then that fox didn't want to mess with him when he was face to face. You know, he'd wait until that fawn would turn around and try and make a little move on him, but he never get close enough. I mean, he'd get close, but then the fawn would just spin around backwards, you know, and face him again. And as soon as they were face-to-face, -face, that fox would back down every time. You know, he would just, he just, you know, run like 10 yards to stop, and then they, and they would be a little, you know, then he would just sit there and watch that fawn for a few minutes until he started <laughs> sneaking up on him again, you know, and then the same thing would happen. Yeah, I'll have to see if, if you still got the video, I'll have to see uh -huh. if I can't, uh, transfer it and then i'll put it on youtube i got it i still got it on my phone <laughs> yeah it was pretty that was pretty entertaining to watch yeah yeah it was i mean i've never seen anything like that <laughs> you know i mean i've seen the does with their fawns up here in the yard and you know watching the fawns try to play with the mom a little bit like a like a puppy with yeah their mom you know <laughs> dancing around them and jumping into them like a little goat or something mm-hmm but, you know, I've never seen a fawn try and chase off a fox. I <laughs> know, uh, you know, but I guess I was always thinking, you know, geez, fox being a predator, he would probably come up on a little fawn like that. I mean, it was a real small fawn. Yeah, it couldn't have been a couple yeah. weeks drought. Yeah, he was really young. and uh, Not honestly much bigger than the fox. Yeah, I was going to say he was. But a couple even weeks then, later, you know, he'd have been a lot bigger. Yeah, but. I guess I always assumed, you know, a fox come up on a fawn like that, a baby, a real small one, you know, and it would be over fast. But I guess I was wrong about that. That little fawn took care of himself. I mean, you know, a week uh, or two earlier, fresh dropped fawn, coyotes, and fox are all over him. But oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that uh, I think he, he wasn't too successful that, that day, but, I mean, I'm sure he has been. So, you know, if you get those fawns that are just day or two old or i would think anyway i'm just i'm not even sure about that after seeing that <laughs> little fawn just 
Well, I, I mean, I would think so too because a fox one isn't that big. Yeah, a fox is small. I mean, so you know, you've only got a couple weeks before that fawn is big and strong enough that she's gonna stomp you. Yeah. And you don't want to. I mean, they don't have hospitals. They can't risk a broken arm. You know, they can't yeah. take yeah. a day off survival right. in the woods. Yeah. So I mean, at that point, you're probably not gonna risk. You might have a couple week window where you're risking, mm-hmm. you know, a bigger meal like that. But other than that, I mean, they're awesome predators of bunnies and, you know, stuff like that. Voles, chipmunks, yeah, squirrels. I mean, they're, it's not like, you know, they have a hard time finding food, but, you know, a big meal like that. Yeah. And usually their, <laughs> their uh, litter coincides, kind of like coyotes, it coincides with the fawn drop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, they've got yeah, that's pups true. at home, kits at home that they're trying to mm-hmm. get food for. And if something like that would be a nice week to oh, just... Oh, yeah, I think that would be a big kill there for the whole family there, you know, for they could get, you know, they could be successful on that. But, but you know, you do know that a lot of those predators, they, you know, when they're, <laughs> there's a lot of failing, too, on there, when they're, you know, oh, yeah. trying to going after things they don't always they're not always successful and i think quite often they're not successful yeah more than they are yeah <clears throat> unless it's like a mountain lion mountain lions are probably pretty yeah successful <laughs> you know yeah yep <laughs> i mean i'm assuming mm-hmm. you know they mainly prey on deer anyway i think depending on where they're at if they're urban area they might prey more on dogs but yeah. Or coyotes even, but I mean, you know, if they're going to spend their energy, they're probably, and they're pounce predators, you know, so they're usually pouncing onto something or out of, kind of, you know, just like a, like a house cat, see a house cat out in the grass and he'll just hunker right down until whatever comes by him and then he'll pounce out at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I mean, bunnies and everything, they're, you know. It seems, from what I've seen, it seems the numbers are coming up a little bit around here. Not, yeah. Not like they were when I was a kid, where you could just throw a stick into the grass and scare a bunny out. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I even remember as a kid, well, be out here in the yard. There might be two, three bunnies on the edge of the grass in the yard. In the front yard, you look in the backyard, and there's two plain tag in the backyard. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many bunnies you've seen in the yard this year, but. Yeah, I've seen a few. Yeah, but I don't know. It, it kind of varies, you know. One next, I don't know what it is. It's uh, you know, there's some, you know, there'll be pretty, you know, quite a few one year, and then uh, maybe not as many the next. So I don't know exactly what uh, controls the population of the rabbits. I mean, besides the predators, which is probably mostly what. <laughs> Controls. I mean, you know, I mean the weather too. Yeah, yeah. I would assume maybe a small percentage is parasite or disease. Yeah, you know all those but, things. But for the large majority is probably birds. You know, hawks oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah, hawks, owls. That'd be yeah. That'd be my main guess. I mean, rabbits are nocturnal too. That's what most people don't realize is, mm-hmm. you know, they're really more active at night. Yeah, and that's where a lot of the 
The owl murders come in if you want to call them murders. So owl harvests. <laughs> yeah. Well, DJ and uh, his brother, Bradley, shot a couple of rabbits last year. One of them, they went over and picked it up, and that thing was just loaded with fleas and ticks and everything. <laughs> I never, never, I don't remember ever shooting one like that. So they just, there was some little water out there, so they threw it in the water, but see if those, get those things off, but. You know, we left. You know, Bradley had it. Man, he had fleas all over his coat and everything. So he just ripped his coat off and left it out there. You know, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, he just he went over to pick that rabbit up, and they were just all over and just. Ah. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy because usually by this time of year we've had half dozen frosts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean we're recording. What is it? October twenty seventh. Yeah. Usually by now, this last week has been frosty. And then, you know, I would start maybe hunt bunnies right after gun season or during gun season. Mm -hmm. You know, load every other shell, walk, you know, or take a pocket full of six shot with me. And on the way back from the stand, walk through some brush, you know, trade out my slugs for six shot. And <laughs> now it's just, you can't hunt them until there's snow on the ground. Cause, yeah. cause, and even then, the ones I shot a couple years ago, you know, there was six, eight inches of snow. It was probably January. And they still had fleas, mm. and I, you know, I never, I remember killing them, you know, earlier in the in the season, like end of September, they'd have fleas, and then you'd kill a couple in November, and they might have a couple, <laughs> but anyone you killed in December, I mean, no fleas, no nothing, no tick. I've never seen yeah. them with ticks on them. Yeah, yeah. You know, now it's like you only get almost from December to March, if you're lucky to kill them without yeah fleas and everything <laughs> yep squirrels too the squirrels i've killed the last couple of years have had a lot of fleas on them and i never remember them remember them being like that you know <laughs> i mean you kill them out of you know bow stand or something like that first week of october you expect a few fleas yeah you know you opening weekend a small game mid-september late september you, you expect a few fleas but mm. <laughs> You know, I think I killed one, maybe not last win winter, but the winter before. Took the twenty two out to cut some wood. And just ended up killing a fox squirrel on the ground. And it had fleas on it. And it was, you know, there might have been a couple inches of snow, but it wasn't like, you know. Mm -hmm. and So I don't know if maybe the fleas are starting to <laughs> adapt and evolve. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I mean, look at the tick population. What happened there? Oh, yeah, I know. There's so you know, many ticks. Wow. I could count on maybe two hands from the time I grew up until the time I left finding ticks on me. Yeah, no. And now in the past couple of years, just, you know, I found at least 20 ticks on me just... Yeah, you can't hardly go when you, you have to check yourself every time you go outside. <laughs> yeah, and I'm talking here. You know, that's yeah, not no. counting the UP where we had right. 40 ticks on us and 100 yards <laughs> of walking. You know, I'm talking, I'd spend a whole day walking around out here, and I might find one tick a year, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I remember there were years where I wouldn't find one. Then just walking in the yard out here the last couple of years, it's like... Yeah, it just seemed like it's getting, been getting worse every year now for the last, I don't know, three or four years. Every year it seems to be getting more and more ticks. Getting bad. Yeah, and I don't understand it. 
I mean, I I, they say a lot of it's because of winter. It's not getting as extreme. So there's no real kill-off, you know, late frosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be. But We had a late winter last year. But at the same time, as long as winter's coming, you know, like, do you need six months of 20 degrees or mm-hmm. a month of below zero to kill them? Yeah. Like, or should you only have a couple days of below zero to kill them? Because, I mean, it's not like we don't have that. Yeah. You know, I think below zero is below zero. I can't, yeah. I can't see them surviving for two weeks. Yeah. And then it's... You know, mm-hmm. that 15th day that kills them. Right. Yeah. I could be certain, wrong. Yeah, you get down to a certain temperature, that should that should kill them. <laughs> yeah, like mosquitoes. Yeah. You know, at a certain point, the water temp gets cold enough that those larvae don't hatch. And then the ones that are out out and about, they only survive a couple days anyway. Yeah. But if you get one of those frosts that settles in the grass and it kills the ones that are settled, your mosquito season's done. Mm-hmm. You know? Unless the water heats up and some of those larvae somehow survived and hatched, but for the most part, you know, once you get to a certain well, threshold in the air, I mean, it, but but it'd be dormant for it could be dormant for five years and still hatch again, you know. So, well, right, that's what I mean. As it gets to that certain temperature, they yeah, don't they don't hatch. Right. Yeah, they won't hatch. But I mean, that, <laughs> you know, not until the time's right weather and everything and then could be years but they'll come back (laughs) yeah it's crazy crazy even the frogs you know i've noticed the frogs out here aren't like they used to be they're still loud but you know yeah i know it used to be all summer yeah you know now it's like in the springtime is about all you get you get some croaks in the summer but nothing like it used to be just yeah i know it's just loud constantly <laughs> and i don't know what that is you would think that this weather would benefit them uh-huh. not getting as cold more frogs would survive the winter but you know i don't know where they're going in the summer <laughs> yeah you know even the bullfrog population around here is kind of from what i've noticed taking a hit mm-hmm. leopard frogs not so much but yeah got lots of those but the bullfrogs you know, mm-hmm. even walking out of the pond, it used to be every two oh. seconds. Bow, yeah. Bow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I it's used quiet. to hunt them for frog legs, but not as many as it used to be. No. I mean, I've had some good days out there shooting the mm. bow at them or, you know, whatever, harvesting frogs, but. I don't think I'm the reason that they're not around. Yeah, I don't think so. You know? I don't think you had anything to do with that. <laughs> I mean, you know, we killed a lot of them, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But even then, they weren't very, you know, super big. You know? Like, yeah, right. Remember, I had a buddy growing up. His oh, his pond, he had frogs like the size of his hand. Mm-hmm. Or the size of my hand now, you know, you'd kill them with a mag light. You know, it'd be a two-pound frog is what it felt like. You know, but you're getting frog legs on oh, it. Oh, yeah, there. you're getting some nice meat on those. But, you know, then you come around here and you got frogs. You know, they're fit three of them on a dollar bill. It's like yeah, not much on them. Right. <laughs> you drop them in the oil and they're done. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> there's no real frying to them. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, I uh, was wondering here. I had a, a couple things. I see the new bikes running. You talked about that a little bit. You did go up salmon fishing once, didn't you? Yeah. Well, it was Greg and DJ. And there was not as many salmon as we expected. There was some, but we couldn't get them to cooperate for some reason. I guess some days are like that. You just, I mean, I don't know. It's just days you can't get them, to, you know, you can run your line through there a hundred times. You know, just as soon as that fly gets up here where they see it, they just move over, slide, and let fly go by. You know, just do that day, you know, time after time. Sometimes they'll be aggressive, but when we were up there, they weren't, so we didn't have any luck. No, they were pretty lion shy when, even when I went up. I mean, <clears throat> the first night, we Ryan and I went to a section of river that's pretty low pressure, and I mean, in three hours, I got two strikes, and, you know, I lost the first one because he was going into a log jam, and I increased my drag and pressure and yeah. ended up actually snapping my line. Yeah. But uh, the second one, you know, nice big male sitting on a bed behind a, a female. There were two males. And I was like, ah, you know, I was on my way to go fish another hole. I was like, I'll just hop. It was getting dark. Could hardly see anything. I was like, I'll just hop in here and float my line past them a little bit. And I mean, they were maybe 10 yards downstream of this hen. So I let some line out, you know. First cast, I basically cast at her tail. And uh, I had just the perfect amount of line out, I guess, because I let it float. And then the bigger of the males kind of came up ahead of the other one. And I see his mouth open up, and then he just starts shaking his head. And I was like, yep, there he is. <laughs> and I ended up landing him. But, you know, we went out for a whole morning the next morning at a higher pressure spot of the river same thing just drifting mm -hmm. fish yeah. floating out of the way coming right back into where they were just letting your line go by and coming back yeah uh, that's what happened to us all day <laughs> frustrating yeah it is you know i mean i went go. down in fly size you know i was throwing woolly buggers or egg sucking leeches and lead you know with a caddis is my lead fly and then i went down to a caddis and an egg fly and well yeah all the people we see nobody was catching anything but i just seen one guy catch something and but <laughs> he was snagging him so like because i was i seen him doing it so oh yeah that's the only guy i seen catching anything he just snagged it so you know so they just weren't you know some days they're really aggressive but I don't know what it is. I never figured that out, you know. Yeah. We... What makes them, you know, go after, you know, be aggressive some days and the next day they, they won't do anything. I don't know if it's what it is, but. I think it's a combination of a couple things. Pressure for one. Water temperature and then how fresh they are. You know, if, if hens aren't dropping eggs, that might be a factor too. But I think a lot of it's, you know, the fresher males, they're trying to take dominance of a hole. You know, yeah. when they start chasing each other out of there, you know, they uh, looks. I think sometimes they're going to be a little more aggressive when they start, you know, trying to be, trying to be the bullies. You know, they want to be the first in line. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of it too. You know, as if later in the season, you know, they don't have as much energy here. Yeah, maybe there's not many hens around, and 
you know. But I mean, at the same time, pressure. <laughs> you know, if oh, yeah. having lines bumped off them all day, they're, yeah, they're going to shut right down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's funny you say that because when we were up <clears throat> that second morning, you know, we went out the night before and then we go out in the morning and then I was coming home that night. So we just went up and spent a night up there, but we uh, get on the river on the river in the morning and there's a group of like four guys, maybe a hundred yards downstream of us. And like every other cast, they've got a fish on. <laughs> and I'm just kind of listening. You know, I worked my way down around the bend and I was just kind of listening to them, you know, which whatever. Pulling hens off a of bed is cool, I guess. But so the one guy, you know, he's after like 10 minutes, they've the one guy has three fish on the bank. <laughs> and he's sitting there. He's like, "Ooh, I'm going to take a break. You know, he's like, my arm is tired, whatever, whatever. And then another guy's like, "What uh, what are you casting out there?" <laughs> and this dude starts talking about the lure he's using, <laughs> and he's like, "I love it because you can float it right over that fish, and the second you stop your line, that thing dives." <laughs> and he's like, "So you can basically target a fish, and then the second you get it to where you want it, you just stop your line, and it dives right down and grabs them." <laughs> And I'm like, dude, that's, yeah, you know, that's got to be fun, you know, <laughs> just pulling fish out of a river, you know, and then, yeah. so I got a little bit annoyed and then, you know, I went upstream, not to sound pretentious, I just got annoyed, those four people just pulling hens off a of bed, you know, it's like, if you're going to snag a male or whatever, I really don't care, but like every single one of them, the one guy was like, grab a baggie, grab a baggie, because <laughs> yeah. apparently they were planning on. Oh, you know, yeah, it's, grabbing some hens. It's not their first time doing it, so they're catching the eggs as it's falling out of her when she's, you know, mm-hmm. in the net or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, they've, they've got experience doing it, which is whatever, I guess. But anyway, so he's like, uh, you know, grab a baggie, grab a baggie. So they've got, like, two gallon bags full of eggs, you mm-hmm. know. And so, anyway, I got annoyed, and I went upstream. And I get upstream to the where the national forest stops and then it goes into private property right there and uh (laughs) there's a guy in the river because as you know you can walk in the river Mm -hmm. you know private property stops at the shoreline so anyway he's on riverbed he's upstream maybe 50 yards and i hear him cast and i look up there and he's looking back at me yeah and I'm like, all right. So I, you know, I strip my line and make another cast. And then I hear him setting no. the hook. So I look back upstream and he looks back at me. And then I can see him kind of dragging his line. You know, I'm like, dude, whatever. So after like 10 minutes of just every time I could hear him, yeah. you know, and every time I'd look up there, he'd be looking back at me after he did it. Uh-huh. It's like, dude, if if you're that paranoid about it, why are you even... Yeah, like if you know you're doing something wrong, why are you doing it? Yeah, you know. And then a couple minutes later, his buddy comes up, and his buddy's just standing behind me, watching me fish. You know, and I'm fishing a hole that's I can't see the bottom in, but then there's like a a log that comes out. Then there's some gravel, kind of starts underneath that log, and it goes back into another hole. So I'm casting basically up against the shoreline, drifting it basically on the back side of the bed under that log just kind of working my line 
under the log, you know, and I'd have to dip my rod to get it underneath the log. And <laughs> after like the third time doing that, I bumped a couple fish and, uh, he starts talking to his buddy and he's like, Hey, you doing any good up there? He's like, yeah, I've, I've grabbed a couple. And I'm just like, man, like you're out here with the buddy. And then, you know, after that, they kind of quit talking and he's just sitting there watching me. And I'm just like, man, like, I don't know if he's spotting me to see if I'm going to call the DNR or something like <laughs> yeah. that. You know what I mean? But like just the fact that he got out of the river from where he, cause I walked past him. Uh-huh. He was probably like 60, 80 yards downstream of me doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if he was watching me look up at his buddy every time his buddy was setting the hook or, <laughs> or what. But he got out of the river, left his spot, left all of his stuff down there, and then came up and was just standing behind me. It's like, I mean, if you have to have a spotter, I'm assuming that's what he was doing is just being like, is this guy cool? You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. But. It, like if you have to have a spotter, if you have to look over your shoulder every time you try and rip into a fish, yeah, like <laughs> what are you doing? You know, uh-huh. I mean either uh-huh. either you've gotten uh-huh. a ticket for it before, you know, or it's like if you if you can't afford the ticket, dude, why are you? Out? I mean, if you're trying to put f- fish in your freezer for food, like I said, not not trying to sound pretentious, but the only issue I have is like grabbing hens off the bed because that's next year's fish. Mm-hmm. You know, or three years from now is fish. But yeah. if you're trying to put food in the freezer, more power to you. But if you can't afford the ticket for that and that offsets, hmm. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> imagine what 100 pounds of salmon would cost you to go get right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then even if you take a $250 fine, how many fish have you put in the freezer this year by that method? Mm-hmm. You're still coming out yeah. ahead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just the, it, there's some things that if you're gonna risk it, you gotta accept the consequences, oh, yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the same thing happened to me when I seen that 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 told you that guy that snagged that that one when I was fishing up here last time. That's what he was doing. He he did the same thing. He told his line hit the OR, boom, you know. Then he was looking over and you know looked down to me <laughs> like, a, okay, I, yeah, I heard. That. <laughs> I seen it. You know, and he, you know, he was ripping his line in, you know, so. <laughs> Work for him. He caught he snagged one though, so but yeah, I know but Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I was joking a couple of years ago, there was like a group of guys like that. There was they had their kids with them. There was like two or three guys with their kids. There might have been like four kids. And I just had a joke, like I can't remember who I was fishing with. It might have been Greg or it might have been Ryan or I don't know, it might have been Cody, somebody, but I was just like, Man, just get your kid a pocket full of rocks. And yep. then every time you cast out there, just have him <laughs> throw a rock out there to hide it. Because that's exactly what it sounds like, is you're just throwing a big rock in the river. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you got four kids, dude. You got about 200 casts. Yeah. You know? Just real. I mean, and then you're on gravel. It's not like you can't reload your rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where was that... Uh, you don't have to name it if you don't want, but where was that stretch of river where we grabbed, Heath and I grabbed that, those couple flat rocks from, that we cooked well, on? I, well, I don't mind. You know, that was at the Shoe Lock, is that what you pronounce it? This, I think this, it, this, the, I don't been there very often. We went there a couple Sulox, of times. Shoe yeah. Yeah. I remember you, yeah, we. That, I think that was the first time I'd ever been there. Yeah, it was a deep stretch. It was the first time I've ever been there. Yeah, I've only been there a couple of times. 
but I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I re- <clears throat> main thing I remember is I didn't have enough weight. You know, the fish were deep in the holes. Yeah. And it was a deep stretch of river. And it was pretty clear water, so you could see them. Mm-hmm. But it felt like they were 20 feet deep. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of deep holes. I mean, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of that shale or something, you know, on the edges along the river, and then, you know, and then it would drop right down in those deep holes. Yeah, Shale that, and clay. Yeah. I remember trying to get out of a couple stretches there. That mm-hmm. It's about impossible walking up a slime wall. Yeah. There's a wall of there soap. There wasn't that many places that we could fish in there. It was, uh, you know, we walked along there quite a ways, but there was enough people in there. And it, was, it seemed like it was a, you could camp there, too. There was a few camping sites along that drive when back there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that, uh, we grabbed that flat rock. Yeah. And he yeah. had the idea of trying to cook toast on it. Yeah. Uh, and then it exploded. <laughs> yeah, twice. <laughs> well, yeah, it cracked probably three times before it, yeah, it well, blew oh, up. Oh, what's going on? And all of a sudden we had a boom, you know, and all those sparks and all those little ambers were hot amp you know they were flying out of that thing and then i thought well we backed up a little bit because all close to the fire but then after for a little bit later that a bigger one i said okay but we about went over backwards in my chair you know trying to get out of those all that stuff was blowing out of those rock out of that fire i said okay campfire is over yeah but that, that one hit you yeah <laughs> so almost yeah knocked me right over backwards <laughs> Yeah, from my perspective, it was, we're roasting a piece of bread on this rock, and it goes, crack. I was like, oh, what was that? <laughs> you go right back to roasting yeah. and talking. A louder pop. It's like, huh. <laughs> and then a chunk actually blew out of the bottom, which blew. Yeah. And I, I still didn't know what it was. embers, man. Yeah, I know it. But then when it actually detonated. Yeah, you know, I still kind of chuckle about it because it—I think it hit you in the chest, but it knocked the wind out of you to the point where it hit you. You had to catch your breath, and then you went oof. Yeah, (laughs) you had to catch your breath to make it. Yeah, I remember that's it. That's it. We out of here. Yeah, yeah, that was a unique experience. I never never thought about rocks doing that. Put them in the fire and like. No, I learned Getting the hard out way. and expand like that, but it just blew up like a bomb, you know. I mean, you know, it's funny because a couple of years later, I remember reading in a survival book or something somewhere not to use rocks from the riverbed to make like a like a fire ring or whatever. Oh yeah, because of that. And I was like, oh yeah, I've got firsthand experience with yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> because over time, those rocks absorb water. And then that water, you superheat it, it expands, builds pressure in the rock, and then, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, that actually, that campground's got a couple good memories, too, because remember that year it flooded? Yeah. And we caught all those bluegills right there? Yeah, yeah. Just ended up having oh, yeah. a bluegill fish fry. Right. Up trout fishing, I think. We were trout fishing. Yeah. Caught probably 40 bluegills. <laughs> <laughs> that were good size, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they came up to that little you know caught some below that little dam right there you know that little, then there's some in the pond yeah and it was literally 
three foot wide little concrete dam you walk across the creek underneath it's maybe two foot three yeah. foot wide at the widest yeah yeah that was crazy mm-hmm. yeah every now and then you see people up fishing in the beaver pond yeah you know so i mean there's there's fish in that little creek but that creek actually runs into a lake across the road oh yeah so I'm assuming those bluegills yeah, was, came up from that creek, but mm-hmm. you know, they, I guess they also <laughs> could have washed over the dam. I don't know though. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was that was interesting. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just living in northern Michigan, you know. Yeah. It's got to be. Uh, Never seen a beaver there <clears> over <throat> there over time you walk around the you know that beaver dam, but I don't know. They had to be some in there somewhere. Yeah, I don't know about now, because well, a couple yeah. years ago we went up there and it looked like the dam was starting to degrade. Oh, was it? But I remember, you know, when we were up there when I was younger, it seems like every year they were patching it up. or mm-hmm. You know, the one day you might go up there and there's a good flow of water coming out beneath the dam, and then next time you're up there, there's hardly anything. It might be a dry creek, you know. Uh-huh. But yeah, now it's degrading a little bit where they're... The creek is starting to get a little bit more water flow out of that pond. But, yep, crazy. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, do you remember, speaking of salmon fishing, do you remember that day we went to, uh, well, we were on the upper branch? Well, two stories come to mind from there. That one fish that took you all the way to your backing you almost ran out of backing as mom was about to net it mm-hmm. and then you, you just cut your line <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> she ended up soaking her camera and her cigarettes because she was uh-huh. out to the top of her waders <laughs> two feet away from netting your fish and then yep. you just cut the line on her <laughs> yeah I don't think she'll ever forget that because she, she wasn't too happy either. Well, actually, you didn't cut it, did you? I think you just wrapped your hand in the backing and broke it off. Yeah, I just broke it. Because I think so, I think I remember about five minutes of you just. I did. Yeah, I didn't reel it in. I was about down to nothing. Yeah, and then there was that time we walked. It felt like a mile. Uh, I think it's downriver. Or would it have been upriver? No, it would have been downriver. No, no, it was upriver. When we walked all the way up, and then we found a spot to cross, so we crossed and we kept walking. And then we found that pod of probably 300 fish. Mm. Yeah. Remember that? The river was just black with... Yeah. So then we crossed back over. And then, I mean, I was like, I was maybe 14, and you were kind of holding me up in the water crossing because it was, it was deep there. Oh. <laughs> but when we got back across, you know, there was that huge pot of fish. You know, it was kind of, and then the way the river went, it was a big hole across the whole river, maybe 60 yards upstream of this pot of fish. And I mean... To this day, I still wonder how many fish were in that hole to the point where all those other fish were, you know, kind of along the shady bank there. But Yeah, that was, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll always remember that. Just walking up on that, you know, at least 300 fish, probably just. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Fish, they were almost solid, that river there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was black, just black with salmon bass. Yeah. It was a big pod moved in. But I do remember casting into that pod a couple times and stripping my line in, and then a big jack would break away from the pod. And, you know, my assumption, he's just been getting picked on by all the other <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> big males in there. And then, you know, he just wants to take his anger out on something. So he hits your fly as you're stripping it in, you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, that big pot of fish, I'll always, yeah, that blew my mind. And being young like that, too, it's like, you know, I'm sure you've seen them like that back when it was yeah. legal to snag, but. Right. Yeah. You go way back there, and there was, jeez, I don't know, at least five times as many salmon as come into the rivers then. And they were bigger, a lot bigger. They were, you know, getting fat on those all wives, you know. Mm-hmm. Until they all, there's so many salmon, they would wipe, finally almost wiped them out. I mean, not they're still there. They still feed on them, but there's not near as many. I mean, it's just a fraction of what they used to be. Now they have to feed on the, you know, every, you know, all different anything else that might be available. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, those owl wives. That's that's yeah. That's basically what they were brought in for. That's what they were. Yeah, because along the shoreline of Lake Michigan, geez. You couldn't couldn't stand it going along the shoreline. They would just be uh, stacked up there along us all along the shore. It just stinks, you know. There's so many of them died, you know. Just drift up on the shore. You'd just be a white, you know, three or four foot wide, all as far as you can see, just dead fish, you know. So really, yeah. I mean, and that's why they went brought those salmon in there to control those. Sam, you know, and it worked. <laughs> Those salmon used to get huge, and there was so many of them too. Well, I can imagine. You know, you're eating. Well, yeah, I mean, stuff in your, you know, all you can eat buffet every night. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then salmon, it, it just fish of any kind. They just keep. They don't have a. They don't get to a certain point and stop growing. And they just keep growing as long as they're, as long as they're alive. Get bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah, so I mean, seeing and catching thirty pound salmon probably wasn't. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean they were huge. Hmm. Yeah, so when I was, you know, you could snag them because there was so many of them, and it was something new. They didn't know how to regulate them, so you know, <laughs> used to snag them on the like a hundred pound chalk line. You didn't have to use a rod. You just wrap it around your hand, but you don't want to make sure you didn't get it around your finger. Oh, right. <laughs> so you want it because you could throw a big treble hook or something in there and kind of pull out a little bit till it gets tight, and you know, like wait until you feel salmon and jerk on it, and then, you know, <laughs> you're one on one, you know, with this. <laughs> a salmon and shark line, no rod, they're real. Hmm. I mean, most, was, most was, people use reels and rods and reels, but you could use that. You didn't have to. Yeah, I was just going to say it would have been interesting to do it like that or even with a bow. Well, they kind of did it that way because at this, at this point, sometimes I think that uh, it was illegal to, or not legal to snag in some areas. You know, if you want to snag in some areas, 
you could use a chalk line and then uh couldn't use a rod well no it wasn't st- it was just illegal to snag so you were doing something illegal there but i mean like if a dnr or somebody comes up there you know you just toss everything in the river you know you don't have, you know so you don't have nothing <laughs> <laughs> so you just <clears throat> but you know so years you're ago, just standing geez, I, there in the river would, i've seen guys just standing there by the dam you know wait until those salmon come up there jump up on that little runway there you know you know they would you know just your old fin sticking out of the water and they'd just grab them throw them out toss them out on the bank that's how they used to do it i remember yeah. watching the native guys do it up there oh yeah you know, yeah right there in baldwin oh yeah yeah by the old trout runway yeah thing. that's kind of where they used to that's where I remember. That's where it used to, years ago. Yeah, those little, a lot of salmon come up in that. Well, that was a yeah. That's the Baldwin River there. Yeah, a tributary to the PM, and that was that little dam. <laughs> They'd have to come up on that little run there, steel runway or cement. Run up to the dam to get over the dam, and then you know they were trying to you know swim up there and you know they can't go real fast like that well, they can move some of them can go pretty good but you know if you're standing right there they'll swim right up to you and you can just reach around grab a hold of the tail wheel them <laughs> out <laughs> up on the bank yeah, yeah i've seen a lot of them come out of there like that and that was a lot of those big ones that was quite a long time ago i was just gonna say i can't imagine doing it 30 years ago when they were bigger yeah they- <laughs> Right now would be a handful, you know. But oh, yeah. yeah. Pulling a 30-pounder out, throwing them up on the bank. I mean, uh, that's a... F- yeah, a lot of those local guys, you know, then they would go around at night and sell them, you know, people in town. Anybody wanted salmon, they get all you wanted. <laughs> yeah. But. One thing I do want to make sure I do this year, though, is some steelheading. Maybe know, not, you know maybe not this year, but this season, you know, next spring. Yeah. I wrote it on my phone just a reminder. I'm going to try and do that one day. Yep. I'd like to spend a uh, couple see. days on the river. and I mean, I know it's going to be colder. Yeah, it's colder. But, but I'd like to spend a couple days in the deeper stretches and then maybe in the spring get up somewhere, you know, and the flies only and mm-hmm. when they're spawning. I was watching... Uh, Michigan Outdoors last night, and they, they were fishing for salmon on the Muskegon River. They were hoping to get a steelhead. Well, they wound up, they caught some salmon, but then they did wind up hooking a steelhead. That was their first one in October. He said, it's a little early, but they had, they caught one. So, But I don't know if the, they wind up where they were at on the Muskegon. I don't know, you know, maybe they were closer to the big lake. But I mean, that's something I've wanted to do, too, is fish the muskegon a little bit for salmon you know get some of the more weightable stretches that are yeah pretty wide because i feel like you get closer to the big lake and there's going to be less pressured fish so may and then a bigger stream like that river Mm -hmm. they're going to be a little more uh maybe you know less pressured more aggressive more responsive right but, you know, as they work up, there's actually probably more people on the Muskegon. 
So the further they work up, you know, they're probably encountering a little more, and then it does narrow. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I'd like to get on some of those wider, weightable stretches that, you know, yeah. 70 yards across. Yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> wide there in a lot of those areas. <laughs> Walking past fish to find fish. Yeah. You know. Had a buddy that went up for Atlantics this year. Oh, yeah? Yep. Said he got up in the Sioux locks and got kicked out. Or in uh, in the locks up there, Sioux St. Marie. Oh, yeah? <laughs> got kicked out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I, you know, I've been seeing pictures. I don't know if it's how much of it's trolling, but people have been posting pictures. They're still catching Atlantics, which I don't, I don't know how true that is because I thought they ran like thought they were the first run, like late July to end of August. You know. Yeah. But I guess if you're down south a little further by Erie. There might be some running. I don't know. I haven't really done the research on it, you know. Yeah. To know when all the runs are. I just know that there's that late, you know, I guess technically midsummer, but late summer run up in uh, the UP mm-hmm. along Canada and whatever right there. So I'd like to do that. I've never ate an Atlantic salmon. I'd like to try them. I never have either. Never I, caught one. I mean, they're actually the only pelagic like that in the Atlantic, aren't they? Like everything else is Pacific. You know, your cohos, yeah. your pinks, your chinook, chums. Yeah. I like to catch a grayling, too. <laughs> yeah, good. <clears throat> good happen. I think they're still stocking them. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and everybody. They're finicky, though. That's why they haven't. T- they've been stocking them since the 60s. But I don't think they've ever had a successful year as far as, like, natural reproduction. Mm-hmm. Which is sad. Oh, yeah. You know, the logging industry took those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Aren't they literally the only. Native fish other than rainbow trout in those streams? As far as, like, salmonids or whatever, because... I don't know, I would think that brook trout... Oh, be. that's right, brook trout, too, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so you got your brown trout, those are introduced. Yeah. So the German trout, I guess, what they call it. <laughs> so what it... Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, yeah. thankfully... Yeah. Because they're, they're pretty, I like them. Mm-hmm. Even though they are more aggressive than any of the other trout, you know. Yeah. They're kind of the bullies of the mm-hmm. the trout, but they're good. Yeah, they, I still don't know if I'd prefer them over a rainbow trout. They're pretty close, I guess, when you're eating a rainbow trout next to a brown trout. They're pretty similar. But, yeah, they're pretty similar. But then you get a rainbow trout the size of a steelhead, <laughs> yeah. and I'd rather have that than a salmon all day. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. It's good stuff. <laughs> I just wish they didn't run when it was so cold. You know, I mean, I know you got scamanios or whatever, but you know, yeah, it's hard to find those. Yeah, those are scattered. <laughs> you, you'd have to be dedicated scamania fisherman to 
kind of locate those. You yeah, have to do a lot of fishing and research and stuff, you know, because there's not that many. On <clears throat> Your summer run steelhead. Yeah, summer run steelhead, and I mean, yeah, so those are more like accidents. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, Maybe I know. Fishing for trout or something. Maybe catch one. <laughs> I know they run in the Manistee, don't they? Yeah. So I know there's guys that, you know, go out specifically for them. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, you see pictures every year. Yeah. People catching a Skamania, you know, up there. A lot of people are maybe trout fishing and bump into them. But, I mean, I know there's guide services that go out after. Oh, right. You yeah. know, summer steelhead. So that's. Yeah, that's what I say. There's a specific. Or there's a number of people that's, you know, target those fish. So then. And, and I guess if you know what you're doing, you know, you can be successful. Yep. Well, I mean, I kind of compare it to, uh, I don't know if it was a Skamania or not, but that steelhead you caught, like, mid-July when we were trout fishing. Oh, yeah. Just throwing that grasshopper in that hole. (laughs) That was funny. You know, it's... Yeah. You're not expecting it. it. You don't even have the gear for it. You're just trout fishing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, maybe geared up for a 20-inch trout and then... Hmm. scared the crap out of me when I, you know, we missed it the first time, and I just followed it right up to shore, and I just, I didn't even know it, you know, and I just pulled my line out, and man, he tried to hit it right there, but right in front of me, you know, it shocked me, but, but, you know, I just threw it back out there in the same place, and he went back out there. He must have wanted that bad, he hit it. <laughs> Well, and Andy was sitting in a netty. Yeah. So, you know, he was probably sitting there popping grasshoppers all day. Yeah. They get caught in that eddy. You know, how many times do oh, they yeah. keep coming around before yeah, you? Right. You know? Yeah, once they get caught in there, they can't really, you know, they can't get out of there. They just, and they're just. It's like a buffet table. Yeah, it's just a buffet. It'll come back around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that wasn't, it's not like you were expecting or even trying a steelhead there. and. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember, you know, how it was. I'm assuming it wasn't any different than any other steelhead as far as yeah. flavor, but, you know. I remember that when I caught that steelhead. You were catching them grasshoppers, those little green ones. I don't know, you know. We had a bunch of those, and we had that great big one. I don't know what you, you know. With the I, wings, the black and yellow wings. Yeah, the black and yellow ones with the brown and wings and stuff. But, you know, we kept using the green ones. I, mean, I you know, we used them all. That was the last one. I didn't want to use that big one, but then, I, well, that was the only one I had left. <laughs> so I tried that. I thought, well, this is probably not going to work. <laughs> but it did. So that surprised me too. You know, so big hopper, big yeah. fish. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yep. That yeah. Is... I remember you running around catching. Well, there's a certain time of year up here. Those little green grasshoppers are everywhere. You know, every just step you take, and once you know, especially when we used to go over there by the. Oh, I can't get over there now. We crossed that railroad track, you know, that little park. Well, we that's where we stayed that one night when it was wagon so cool. wheel. Yeah, the wagon wheel. I couldn't remember it. Yeah, yeah. That's where we used to go over there, and uh, there was always lots of grasshoppers over there. Yeah, that was pretty. Uh, that was fun. Just, I mean, you, you know, even if you're not fishing, 
But it was fun just to have a bunch of grasshoppers where before you throw one out there, you can throw a grasshopper out yeah. and drift it through a hole. Yeah. If <laughs> if nothing goes after it, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to cast in there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's probably the most fun part about trout fishing for me is when dry fly, dry flying. I don't yeah. mind, you know, sinking some nymphs. That's kind of fun, too, fishing in mergers or whatever with your bobber or your strike indicator. Mm-hmm. That's fun. But I really like the uh, the dry flies. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the most fun. And it seems like it doesn't matter where you put that fly in the river. You know, if you float it over a hole, you're having fish hit it. If you float it over, you know, a red, you know, it's a foot of water running over some gravel, a fish is going to hit it. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? How? Where? You know? Yep. Yeah, that is fun. I, I do want to get up to the UP. I'm not going to say next year, but in the next couple of years and get in on some brook trout. I think next year's the pink salmon run. I know mm. they they say they're not the best to eat, but I'd like to catch a couple of them. Catch some humpies. Yep. You know? Yeah, I know. I've heard that too. You know, they're not the best eating fish, but it's fun to catch. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to. You know, put you a especially half if you dozen. use a smaller fly rod on them, you know, so like a five weight or something like that, you know, that makes them a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Run a five or six weight up there, and you know, they say you got to be careful though, because that water's oh, so clear. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to be real careful. I'd never been there, but that's what I read. You know, it's it's easy. Yeah, this clear water, you can get in trouble there if you're not. <laughs> Paying attention. Man, that's got to make it hard for me now. I don't have that same balance that I used to when I was younger. Well, it's not even just the balance. It's the depth perception. Well, yeah. You know, when you, that, when you can't I mean, perceive yeah. how deep it is. It's <laughs> but that's what I mean. Is if that if you kind of mess up on your depth perception a little bit and you can lose your balance a little bit, then, <laughs> you know, when you're younger, you can compensate for that a lot better than when you get older. You know what I think would make you feel better is if you uh, get one of those CO2 life vests. Oh, you know what? I might have to do that because... I've thought about it. I've thought about getting you one. Then I've I've thought about getting one for myself because, I mean, I'm I'm getting older and i got to be realistic. I'm not in the shape I was where if my waders fill up, Hmm. one, if I can't get out of them because I'm wearing boots... You know, I like the ultralights, and if I got to put boots on, I can't just kick them off. They're, they're, you know, if if you're wearing waders that have boots built in, it's a little easier to kick them off. But and then you know, I've thought about it because you were telling me about when you went in with DJ. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say, man. I couldn't get up, man. I'm, and I was a log jam just ten yards down there, stream there from where I was at, and I mean, my my, I was trying to get up <laughs> that current, you know, I couldn't. My feet was slipping and and you know, slippery rocks. And I, I don't know. DJ happened to grab me so I could get steady myself a little bit so I could stand up. But I don't know where I would have happened if I wouldn't. You wouldn't have been there and grabbed me because I don't know if I could have got up or not. Every time I tried to get up, it slipped and fall back down. I know it's partly because I don't have that same, like I said before, you know, the coordination or you have the strength or the just it's not the same and you lose a lot of that when you get older so i mean you're going to be 80 in a couple months 
Yeah. I mean, you're doing pretty good taking care uh, of your yard and everything. So, well, you know. I'm doing okay, but I mean, you know, some of those things like that, you know, there's getting. No, I was telling your mother the other day, I said, man, because when Gregory and I was up salmon fishing, there was just one little spot out in the stream, you know, the, it was, it was kind of hard to get to. And I thought, man, I kept looking. I thought, oh, if I can go through, the, I'm going to try and get out there. So I was really careful. I slid off the bank, you know, and the water was almost to your waist, you know, right by the bank. But then, you know, it kind of got deeper, and then there was logs, and it was slippery. I took I took me a little while. I went real slow. But I finally got out there. I thought, well, I felt pretty good. I made it all the way out there. Then I I got ready. I didn't catch nothing. And so I thought, okay, I give up, and I'm doing the same thing, coming back. And, and it took me 10 minutes to get back. I thought, wow, we. That was a struggle. And then after, shortly after, Gregory said, I'm going to try it. It's that spot. So he jumps in and walks right out there like it was, you know, he's walking right <laughs> across the yard. You know, he did the same thing coming back. And I, that's when I sat there and I'm thinking, I don't know, this might be, I might be getting too old for this. <laughs> oh, you're not getting too old he, for it. He just walked out there and walked right back like it was nothing. I thought, man, that was all I could do to just take one little baby step because, you know, make sure I wasn't falling. Because it was, it was deep and it was... You know, there was logs there, and I had to keep stepping over them. And you step down, and trying to get your balance. Good amount of current. Yeah, and I mean, I was struggling, but he didn't. Well, it's not. So that I thought, well, okay, I guess I'm just too old for this now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're getting too old for it. I just think uh, you've got to do exactly that. You've got to allow more time for A to B. But also, you know, like like I was saying when you you were telling me about falling in with DJ, it kind of made me think like. You know, at best case scenario, I'm coming up on halfway through my life. You know, I'm not expecting to make it past 70. <laughs> so best case scenario, I'm almost halfway there, you know. And I I don't, one, I'm not in the shape I used to be in. Now I've got X amount of years on my joints, depending on what age you want to talk about. I've got an extra 10 years, 8 years, 4 years, whatever. Now I've got this neck issue. You know, and I mean, I remember I used to be able to do the same thing, charge across the water, and it's like, oh, what? Mm-hmm. You know, this current's <laughs> crazy sometimes, but, you know, ma- yeah. mainly the only time I was careful is when it was stained and the water was high because there was more current and you couldn't see. Yeah. And now, you know, I catch myself being that careful, even though I can see, you know, I'm kind of towing my way in. and But it's made me think, like, if worst case scenario were to happen and my waders were to fill, you're factoring in. Now I'm factoring in the current. You know. Yeah. Are you going to be able to get them off before you get into a situation where, like you were saying, a log jam or a deep hole? And then if you do get them off, are you going to be able to swim to a shore? It. Either way, you're tossing your fly rod. Right, that's yeah. not that's not even a factor. That's just gone. Yeah. Now, are you going to be able to swim because you still have clothes on that are going to be wet? You're still fighting current, and then like, if like, you once you start reading the water, you can see where there's so many deviations in the current. Whether it's you know because you got a shallow area, the water's moving quicker. You're in a hole. There's that down current right at the edge of a hole. Like there's a lot of things <laughs> that I'm factoring in now where it's like. I almost just want to buy one of those inflatables 
Uh-huh. Keep it under my vest. You know, buy something that's for like a 250-pound guy. Keep it under my <laughs> vest. And then if anything happens, you know, yeah. inflate that and try to paddle to a shore and then figure it out from there. Because, I mean, even with a wading belt, it's not a watertight seal. You're still going to have water, whether yeah. it's because your clothes, it's going through your clothes, down into your way. It just buys you a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, now I'm, like I said, I prefer waders without the boots built in you get a little bit better traction you can buy boots that fit you better or whatever you get more dexterity but then you're not kicking your waders off that's basically out the window yeah <laughs> so now what do you do do you do you swim with your waders like you know so mm. yeah i know i always thought well you know if i ever fell you know geez i just i get out there somehow and i never really worried about it because i thought well Heck, you know, but until you fall in and re- understand how much what that current does to you when you're under the water there, man, that's tough. I mean, you know, because if you don't have your feet on the, you know, on the ground, you, and that current is really pushing you, and you're trying to get traction, <laughs> and it's hard when, that, when you're kind of laying down in the water, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. water's got you're on the, is water's con- controlling you, not just not you, you know. So, you know, it was like kind of woke me up a little bit, so, man. Yeah, and I've always kind of thought the same thing. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I'll I'll worry about it when it happens. Yeah. You know? I never, yeah, I'd never worried about it because I thought, well, I mean, we're seeing it happen, I'll just get all wet. But, <laughs> but now, you know, I don't realize that, you know, it could turn into something serious. Yeah. And the other scary thing is, you know, a lot of, most of the days you're out there, it's a beautiful day. It's sunny. That's the last thing you're expecting is to be fighting for your life <laughs> yeah. on a beautiful, you know, if it's raining and yeah, you yeah. can't see in the water because the rain's hitting it or the it's stained or the current's a little quicker because it's high and it's stained and you can't see, that's a little different. You're expecting to be careful and to be a little more prepared and maybe not to take the chances where you're 10 yards away from a log jam. You know, you got a little stretch of river to kind of mm-hmm. give yourself a buffer to figure things out but you know it's that sunny day where you're like i'll hop in right here i'll walk up yeah. to the edge of this hole this sandy hole the whole time you're fishing you know you keep moving upstream a couple inches because that sand is washing out from under yeah, you yeah, you're sinking down you know <laughs> yep but you know like i said just maybe getting older maybe it's because of the kids i'm just kind of thinking like you know maybe i should be a little more yeah prepared yeah <laughs> It shouldn't be a good, yeah, be a good idea to do that. I mean, yeah, you never know because you have to be. Yeah, I, I was a little careless when I was younger. I guess because I didn't know any better. Now that I know, he's. I, I guess I was lucky. I got away with all that for all those years. But well, you know, but now I know. When it happens, you fall in the river. It's a lot. It's a lot different than you think. You expect. <laughs> yeah, and you know the recent thing with Jermaine has kind of made me realize too like you know if you take take anybody that doesn't have any experience in a river it doesn't matter how shallow mm-hmm. or anything like that it's just a matter of like you said the water is in control mm-hmm. and you know I've taken people up where you know they buy all the gear you know and they're all excited to get out there and you watch them just run out into a river yeah. you know like the first time I remember taking Ryan up. He was having a hard time walking up river. Yeah. And, you know, it seemed like every two steps he was slipping. And I was just like, dude, <laughs> you can't just walk up river like that. Like, it's literally, like, watch me. You know, like, I I almost have a rule where if it's over my waist, 
you're doing one step up river, you plant your foot, make sure it's good, you bring your left foot to it. Yeah. Or whatever way you're facing. You can't just walk. You got (laughs) to take You know, and you're, I mean, you're fighting current the whole time. You burn yourself out, for one. The more tired you get, the harder it is to keep your balance. Oh, yeah. When you get tired, then it makes it a lot harder for to keep your balance. And then if you do go in, you're exhausted, so there's no way for you to recover. (laughs) So it's like, man, you got to. And I know he's probably going to listen to this, so he's going to, you know, want to have some input. But it's like, man, like, you can't just. Yeah, I know. I think everybody's like that. I used, I was probably did the same thing. You know, when you first put them waders on, you just, all you're doing is, you know. Walking. Yeah, you're just walking <laughs> out there and out realizing, oh, I mean, you know, that's what you expect to, you know, like, like it's not like walking in a lake or nothing, you know I mean? You know, you're, you're not walking against, there's what, you got pressure in the lake, but not. Not like that. N- not like that. Not no. current. Not current, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I remember Greg doing it, you know. I, well, I remember the first salmon he landed. I've actually got a picture of it up above my bed, and it's funny because you remember how he had te- his teeth were all kind of crooked. Yeah. <laughs> and that that first salmon he ever landed was a male. It was a little bit bigger than a jack, I would say. It was a small male. But I don't know if you remember, his jaw was kind of crooked. It had like a broken jaw at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and his jaw kind of grew out to its left. So, you know, I've got that picture just because... <laughs> I mean, one is his first salmon, but it's just kind of funny that he caught a salmon with a messed up jaw after, you know, Brandon and I would make fun of him for having a messed up jaw for his whole childhood. But anyway, so then uh, I remember he was out there and it was really shallow section. It was actually that stretch of river where I caught that big, uh, same bed actually, where I caught that big steelhead with Jimmy. Oh yeah. We took Jimmy, or Jimmy met us up there. Yeah. But it was like that same little area of river. And I remember he slid in off the bank because it's kind of a steep bank right there. But you drop in the water and it's like maybe a foot, foot and a half deep. Mm-hmm. And he's walking out into the river to cast. And this is after he landed a salmon. He was all excited, you know, not even thinking about the river at this point. He's thinking about catching another salmon, you know, so he's just trying to get back out there. And he's walking across that because what it is is it's kind of on a bend, but then there's like some log jam or whatever, a couple logs, and then upriver. And then on the backside of that log jam, it's like the sandy bar. So the bank, this is just for the people listening. So the bank you're on, you're stepping off onto that sandbar, and then you get back out in the river. Well, anyway, he gets basically off the edge of that sandbar, and then I could see kind of where he hit the current (laughs) and wasn't thinking about it. And he took like three steps down river with the current and then <laughs> swung. So he was facing down river and planted his feet, kind of had his rod in his hand, but he kind of had his hands out, you know, with his butt <laughs> pushing up river, Yeah, you know, and yeah. just the look of panic on his face because he was just looking at these fish. Yeah. <laughs> and then he went from basically no current to full river right there. And then the way the river bottom is right there too, the, the whole middle of the river is kind of gouged out upstream, hmm. you know, and then there's the, shallow gravel on the other side and then the sandbar on the the side you step off on but like the middle so i mean all that current's shooting right down that middle and he steps right out in there and i can't remember i think i yelled something at him and went to hop in to get him but you know that's the thing it's just like just that distraction if if you're watching like if you're trout fishing you're watching fish rising at grasshoppers or whatever you're looking at 
Mm-hmm. So those fish, you're not thinking about reading the current yep. at your feet, you know. And yeah, if you're taking a lot of steps, you might be a loggy trip on it, or you're stepping over a big step down in a hole or something. <laughs> or, you know, like I've seen you do it. Um, back where, uh, <laughs> back when, I don't really want to say the name of the access, but back when you could drive, okay, so that same stretch of river, you cross the tracks, you go straight, when you, or you can go right. Mm-hmm. So taking a right right there, you go back. I remember when you could drive all the way back to the river. Now you can't. You're like 200 yards from it. Yeah. But anyway, that same stretch, I remember walking that ridge line all the way down to that property line, kind of where the that cabin is with all those steps. Mm, yep. And then there's springs right there. Yeah. I remember that one hole I was fishing, and I can't remember you had gone downstream or something to check out that really big hole beneath the cabin and then you were coming back up and you were crossing this little spot where there's like literally no current but it was extremely mucky yeah and i remember <laughs> I you took a step in and you got like almost up to the handholds on your waders mm-hmm. and i can't you had had me come over to help you because yeah it was, <laughs> there was no moving in that i couldn't move <laughs> and it was maybe a foot deep water but you stepped into it and it was like four foot of muck you know yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I, I've done that a couple of times and stepped in that water like that when I was. You, it looks you, sandy. You just yeah, it looks yeah. There was another spot there. That's over by uh, back over by the. Oh, I did that once over by what's it? I can't remember now where it was, but it was a little kind of a little backwash on our river there. You know, we used to cross it that, but man, I took. I was on solid ground, took one step, and I went right down as far as, you know, all the way to my butt, you know. I mean, I was just a surprise. I just thought it was solid there, you know, so you got to be careful like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, when you get in that muck, you can't, you're going that deep, you can't, hardly, you can't get out by yourself. <laughs> no, <laughs> and even if you could, I mean, the more you move, the deeper well, you sink. Yeah. You know, so it's like. <laughs> yeah, no, you're pretty much, you know, dependent on somebody to help you. Yeah. And right there where you were at, I mean, there's no cross in the river. No. Nope. Not for like 100 yards upstream. I mean, that whole thing just <laughs> starts opening up into a hole. That entire bend has mm-hmm. gouged out where it's probably six yeah. foot deep at the shallowest. Yeah, that's a deep, deep area there and around that, that bend there. But, I mean, you know, that was... That's just one of those things, too, where, you know, you look at it, like I said, it looks like sand because all that water in the main river is stirring up sand. Yeah. And then it gets in there and it settles on top, that Mm. silt, Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, that's sandy bottom. So, you, like you said, you just take a step in there, it's a foot deep. You're not really preparing on (laughs) feeling it out, you know, and then Mm -hmm. you're up to your waist or deeper, you know, (laughs) scary. Yeah. The I'm, I guess I'm kind of lucky because I've been I've had a lot of experience with the river. I mean, maybe four, four or five is when I first got in the river. You know. Yeah, <laughs> you were yeah pretty small and it started taking you trout fishing. <laughs> so I mean, I've got some experience with it. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's you know it's uh I've still had my scary moments like actually where I fell in. That day, Grandma caught that steelhead at the base of the hill there. Oh, yeah. 
Yep. That day I fell in, basically just down river of that hole, we were fishing where I fell in. That river goes all the way. It's basically a bend going into another bend, coming out of a bend. So it looks like a big N, mm-hmm. you know, if you were to round out the corners on an N. Yeah. <laughs> now, we were fishing on the first bend of that N. Now, where it kind of, the middle of the N goes down. Basically, that entire middle is all gouged out now, where you can't even see the bottom. Yeah. And then going around the bottom corner toward the top end of the end on the right post, that's all gouged out now, too. So there's probably 150, 200 yards of river. That's just a, a hole. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> when's the last time you've been up there to check it out, but it's yeah, it's all a hole now. I uh, know. Uh, yeah, we we went through there the last time we was up there with Gregory, I think. Yeah, we... Yeah, it's it's changed. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. That entire thing is a hole. And I mean, yeah. You know, even when it's coming out of the hole, it's only on the opposite side of the river that you can walk on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that entire stretch is a hole for like another 100 yards. <laughs> yeah. You know, before you can even get in the river. Yeah. It's just, you know. So if you're to go in there, <laughs> yeah, you, you got 200 yards of hole <laughs> bends right. and all sorts of crazy currents log jams and all sorts of logs in there that are changing the current that you got to fight before you can even make it to a shoreline you know where mm-hmm. you can stand yeah otherwise you got to float that whole thing <laughs> yeah geez you know it's scary <laughs> yeah 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 you know, I, that's what i said i always thought well if anything like that happened i could always at least stay on top of the water you know until i get to some place where you could get out but now i'm not so sure <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what, the, what those life vests I'm talking about are, right? Those yeah, yeah, rip use. cords or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They actually run on a CO2 cylinder. Uh huh. For like your, some of them run on like the same CO2 for like a pellet gun or whatever. Oh yeah. But a lot of them have bigger ones that are yeah. kind of custom. That. Right. Yeah. You just. <laughs> you know. Might be a good investment. I mean, you know, how much is your life worth? You know. Right, and I mean, I think those cylinders might be like 30 bucks, depending on the life jacket you get, 30, 40 bucks, but at the same time, you know, they're designed to be, you know, like a lot of guys are wearing them with bibs, they're over jacket, you know, they're Mm -hmm. out on big water, you know, fully geared up, and I mean, those things are designed to float, you know, a lot of weight, so, Mm. yeah, crazy, and I mean, they're so slim. You're not going to notice it under your yeah. vest or whatever, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, you might if you get your the cord caught on your vest when you take it off. You know, the thing blows up. But <laughs> yeah. But even then, I think it takes quite a bit of force to puncture that cylinder to blow up your vest. The only thing I don't like about that is if you're floating through a river full of sticks, how much force is it going to take to puncture it, you know? And then you let all that gas out. Now you don't have a life jacket, but yeah. I mean, at some point, it's probably you know probably been tested what the puncture force is. Or oh, I'm sure gravel cutting it all up. You know. Yeah. I mean, you're working with fishermen. They've got hooks. I'm sure it takes a lot to get into it. You know, might even have some sort of self-sealing thing. I don't know. But uh, yeah. Well. We're almost at uh, three hours. Oh, really? Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I just 
Jeez, it didn't seem like it that long. <laughs> no, I just I thought we just crossed about two, two and a half, but I see it's two fifty-eight. So. Wowee. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't. Uh, I haven't recorded in a couple weeks because well, the first. Not making excuses, but the first thing is uh, I had an off week because the kids, they've been in our room, the two babies. And coming home, you know, Iris has been a daddy's girl. So (laughs) she's, you know, I get home and she's hungry and then she wants to take a nap. And then Leon, he hasn't really been napping. Wow. So about the time I get home, about maybe f- five, six o'clock, they're, if she's not already sleeping, he's ready for a nap. And I know it's late in the day to kind of be giving him a nap, but if not, if he doesn't get one, he's just a menace. So they've been, <laughs> oh, get, yeah. you know. Well, two young ones like that, that takes up a lot of your time. I mean, you know, geez, one is, takes a lot of time, but when you got two two young ones like that? Yeah, I mean, it does. requires a lot of your time. But it's also, you know, they. Yeah. I don't have my studio right now because the basement flooded and then, you know, we started having, like, mold issues down there. Oh, yeah. Jesus. So my studio and my basement I haven't had all summer, and I keep thinking, I'll get down there and I'll just fix it, rebuild it, whatever. But in order to do that, I mean, it's literally going to be I have to replace every board I have in there because they were all wet. They got a little bit of mold growing on them. And oh. the carpet that's in there, I got to find new carpet. I got to re-soundproof it. And I don't have the money right now. It's not necessarily the time. It's well, yeah, the money to rebuild it. All that, you know. I mean, you know, when you... <laughs> yeah, on two little ones, money issues makes it a and, lot tougher, too. So. And work, cutting hours. Yep. But, you know, and bonuses, which doesn't help. But So then there's... I've been recording in our bedroom. Well, Leon, that's where he naps, is mm. in our room. <laughs> And then Iris, she had her side sleeper up there, but now, you know, last couple of weeks she's really been standing up in it and stuff, so she can't be in her side sleeper. So <laughs> I, I wasn't able to record for a week because for that week it seemed like every time I would get ready to record it was nap time for Leon and, he, you know, he naps in our room. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't put him on Kia's bed because I built her an elevated bed. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah, so- I don't want him falling yeah, off. I can't trust him up there. <laughs> no. So this last couple of weeks, we've been switching their rooms around. Took us basically a week to pack up the kids' room and Kia's room. It took me all day last Sunday to t- take Kia's bed down. Now it's all apart. It's downstairs, and I've got to rebuild it. So anyway, I didn't record because they were up in our room napping. And I didn't record the next week because that Monday I was setting up to record. I set up two mics. I was going to record with Bree, my wife. And it was probably about 6 o'clock. And I had literally just got everything set up. Laptop plugged in. And the kids were upstairs sleeping. So I was like, all right. you know. And they had just went down. I brought everything down beforehand. I forgot my microphones, but I brought all the other gear down. Got them t- to sleep. And then I went up to get my microphones, came back down. I had just got the microphone set up, and I was waiting on Bree. 
and she was going to take a quick pee or something. So, and then I hear her in the bathroom and she's like, what, what are you serious? So then she comes out of the bathroom and mom was on the phone with her. Oh, that was when, uh, telling, telling her that Jermaine went missing. Oh, that's when you found out about Jermaine. Jeez. And I, you know, I was literally setting up to record Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I was set up. I was just waiting on her. So that kind of took the wind out of the sails there. Oh, do you see? And then that whole week, I just—I mean, I, I honestly, I still haven't been. I was gonna record last week, and I was gonna record a solo and kind of address the whole situation and just kind of give. I'm trying not to turn this into a blog where I'm just kind of. Telling all my listeners about my life and venting, you know. Yeah. But I, I wanted to kind of explain what's been going on and why I haven't been <clears throat> recording, but my head just hasn't been. Uh, all right. You know. Yeah. I mean, even now, you know, it's still, huh. it's still not quite, you know. Yeah. I'm not really feeling. I don't really know how to explain it. It's not that I don't wanna, but it's just. I don't want to say it's depression, but it's just this area I'm in where I don't really feel like talking about a lot. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world I could talk about. Like, I wanted to ask you about this whole Israel thing, what you think about it, but it's just like, I don't... Like, it's hard for me to get over that wall. Oh, you know, and then, everybody. I know, I know what you're saying, how you feel, because... It's hard for all of us, you know. And I mean, you know, I've got, I don't know if it'd be categorized as survivor's guilt or what, but I mean that, I'm sure I'll talk about it in the next solo. I'll probably record one this weekend and post after this just because I want to kind of give him his own episode with a moment of silence in it and all that. Um kind of talk a little bit about his life but it's just i don't i I know i walked right past him you know mm-hmm. and people have been trying to make me feel better about it but just the way my mind works oh geez yeah it's not and it's not that because this is going to post before my solo, so I'll just say, um, my nephew, your great-grandson, Jermaine went missing a couple weeks ago, got out of the house, and uh, he was found drowned in a river. They found him under a log jam. And just the way my mind works is that when I was looking for him, I walked that section of the river, I walked on that bank, and I was out on those log jams. And just knowing how the current works, looking at that river all night, I had my light in that river. I could see the bottom. I could see the flow of the current. It wasn't crazy, but it was a strong enough current that I kept telling myself if he got in the river, he might have had a problem. But I also kept saying, not shallow enough that he probably would have been all right, you know. But just seeing the way that current was working, there's no way in my mind that I can explain that he would have been that deep into a log jam, if that makes sense. The current's not flowing like 
on the pure Marquette. It's not that strong of a current. It's not mm-hmm. like even the Muskegon. It's not that strong of a current. It's and it's a shallow river. It has current, but it's not that strong. And I don't see that water working him in that far or that deep in that short of a time. Now, by the time they found him, it was over 12 hours later. I mean, I had walked that section from like a little bit before one until almost four. It was like three something when I got back to the house. And I mean, he went missing at one. My thing is, if he went straight into that river, he'd have been in the river for maybe eight, ten hours. And even then, that current, I don't see it working like that in that little bit of time. So I feel like I should have seen him. You know? 20 hours of a river working something, I can see it maybe gradually working you know, something up under a log jam or over a log jam or into a log jam or on a rock or, you know what I mean? But immediately, that soon, I don't see that happening. So it's just kind of hard for me to accept that I wouldn't have seen him, you know? Because I don't think there was that much time before. And honestly, he might not have even been in the river when I was looking for him. That's the other thing is I might have just walked past him on the bank. You know, so I just haven't been and then hitting that deer, you know, every time I go out to my car, whether it's to go home on lunch or whatever, I see that and it's just a reminder. And by the time I get, you know, it's literally, it's not, it's not even anything I can help. It's just even to go home. I walk out to my car. I see that I get in my car and I go home. And by the time I get home, I'm just like. You know, it's a quiet ride home. It's 10 minutes tops. But by the time I get home, it's just that he's already been in my mind. I've already kind of thought about all this stuff. And then it's like, I don't really feel like talking, you know. Yeah. I just uh, feel like <clears throat> holding my kids. And that's really what I've been doing is just kind of hanging out with them. Not doing anything. Just. No. That's what we can do. Hold each other. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's. That's pretty tough for you. I mean, it's tough for all of us, but you was right there where he was at, but makes it harder. Yeah, it did. I don't know. It just it sucks because, uh, you know, my kids like the same stuff he did, the super simple songs on YouTube, their channel. And I asked Brandon, I'm like, hey, what can I play? Because I didn't see any drones in the area. There was nothing. It was just me. I'm like, hey, you know, what? what's his favorite YouTube channel I can play while I'm walking? And it was like super simple songs, so that's what I did. So when I go home, you know, if the kids are watching their projector or whatever, usually it's super simple songs is what they like to watch, you know. So it's just it's just kind of been that yeah. everyday kind of repeat, you know. And I'm, like, I'm trying not to think about it like that, but it's just... It's been hard for me to even be like, oh, you know, like Kia's bed. I could have had that apart. Honestly, it should have been apart, back together. Both their rooms should be switched around, but it's just, I don't know. 
there's just something that's kind of blocking me from doing that because that's less time with the kids. You know, that's me just kind of walking back and forth from room to room, not necessarily ignoring them, but not spending any time with them, you know. And it just makes it kind of hard to, again, want to spend another hour away from them recording, you know, trying to be funny or give my opinions or <laughs> ask questions about whatever. It it just it it's not that it doesn't feel important. It just doesn't feel like the right thing to be doing right now. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's understandable. It's like <laughs> nothing just seems the same now. I mean, you know, it's like are you supposed to do this now? Be think whatever you might be doing because it's like <laughs> doesn't seem right. I mean, like you know, yeah, it's. It's tough for everybody. I mean, man, but you know, Brandon and Victoria. Well, that's got to be hard. Yeah, and that's the other thing I keep trying to tell myself is like, you know, you know, it's it's obviously it's not about me. It's not about any of us as much as it is, is about them. So like when people, like when like people at work, for example, they got me a card. You know, sorry for your loss card, and a bunch of people signed it. And it's not that I'm not grateful for it, but it's like I'm I'm not I'm more worried about them. Yeah. And I would rather they get that support if that makes sense. You know, it just almost makes me feel selfish when somebody tells me like, Hey man, I'm I heard about what happened, I'm sorry. It's like, you know, I appreciate it, but at the same time it's like I'm not the person that really needs to hear that, you know. I would rather you know, my brother hears that and has that support, you know, and it's not that, yeah, again, it's not that I don't appreciate it, but mm -hmm. I know that in, if, if I were in his situation, I would need all the support, you know, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would need to be reminded that, you know, people care and that, you know, if anybody needed to list or if I needed to talk that there was numerous people that would be willing to listen and you know I mean I know I've got my wife and I got Kia I can talk to I mean we all have you and everybody else we can talk to but it's just I feel like those reminders would be and those condolences would be better spent because I, I know that anybody that's close with me isn't going to want to hear that and they're going to you know feel like they they wish they could help or change that like just the fact that you're telling me is confirming it, but I already knew before you said anything how you would feel, you know. Like, I, I don't know. It just feels like it's not necessarily, like I said, selfish, but I just, it kind of has that feeling of, you know, I wish this was going somewhere else. And that's the other thing, too, is sitting down to record was literally probably the worst time to get that call. Because now I see this stuff, and it's just like a subconscious reminder that I was going to record what he had already been missing for four or five hours. And that's another thing I've had a hard time with, is how come nobody called me earlier, you know? I could have been down there at 3 o'clock doing the same thing I did at 3 o'clock in the morning. And maybe the situation would have been different, maybe not. But, I don't know. 
And I just, you know, as you know, every second counts in a situation like that. And every second that goes by, it just gets scarier and scarier. And the outcome is looking more bleak. And I mean, if I could have left work at 1.30, 2 o'clock, the second everybody else knew about it and been down there, you know, I'd have had all day to do what I felt I needed to do, you know. So it's just kind of been a lot trying to figure out. Because, I mean, even I was I was kind of expressing this to my wife the other day. Like when Bree or when Grandma was here, if anything happened, I knew about it. The only time I didn't know would be like if she went into the hospital or something or got sick. Nobody let me know anything unless she called and said, hey, just want to let you know the other day I was in the hospital, you know. So, and it was just kind of, it just kind of reminded me of that, like, you know, I just kind of felt left out, you know. And like I said, when, unless it had something to do with grandma where she couldn't call, I knew about it, even if it was something little, you know. She'd be like, hey, maybe you should call your brother and ask him about this or talk to him about that or, hey, you know, this is going on with your mom or whatever. You know, but this is the second time now that that's happened with Jermaine. And the first time, I mean, mom called me after they had already been looking for him for a couple hours. And then a little bit later she calls and said that they had found him. And it's like, you know, that's cool, but I wish you would have called me, like, when you knew he was missing. You know? Yeah. And then it, you know, happens again, and... I don't know, it's just kind of... Like I said, I don't want to say I feel left out, because it's not necessarily that clean of a feeling, but it's just kind of what it feels like, is like, you know... I don't know if it's because I'm so far away. I'm not really that far away, but, you know, I also don't reach out to people as often as I probably should. I don't call people, you know. I don't know I don't know what the reasoning is on my end, but I also don't understand, like, if it's a family thing, why, you know, like a family emergency, why I wouldn't at least be included in on it. So it's just kind of been a combination of, Mental hurdles, you know. I don't really know how to <laughs> express it. But yeah, so I'll I'll probably address that a little bit more in the next solo here in a couple days. Just got to get myself around to feeling about talking about it, you know. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean... I don't really have a whole lot else to <laughs> else to say about it. I mean, I know. Given in that particular scenario, you went down to you know hang out and watch, you know, Drew, his brother. So I mean, just really quick, if you don't mind, like, what was that whole everybody? Because I mean, it seemed like an army of people showed up to help look. 
You know, like what? Just because I wasn't there until later. So, oh, I mean, yeah. what was it like being there? See, I was know? in the woods that day when I got that call, and so I came up to the house and took off, and I went right down there. Well, I wasn't sure how to get there, so I had to call your mother. I had to call Shelly, <laughs> trying to get directions, and she gave me the. She didn't know the address, but she kind of gave me, you know, some pretty good directions. And I thought, well, okay, I'll get close enough so I, if I can't find it, I'll locate them somehow. But I wound up going right there. And there was a lot, a lot of people already there when I got there. Well, I, I, I got out immediately, you know, I seen everybody at that, you know, we talked a little bit, but I started looking around. I don't know how long I was there <clears throat> looking, but then I went back to the car. I get a drink of water or something, and then shortly after I was, shortly after that, <laughs> they were talking about Drew when he gets off the bus. You know, so what are they gonna do? So, and the bus pulled up right up by my car, and I seen Gregory come running out so I could get Drew off the bus. And I was right there by the bus, so he just picked him up and told me, you know, put him in my car. So he kind of watched you, so he didn't know what was going on. He, we seen he was just watching the helicopters flying around, so he was okay. We, so I was didn't do any more looking around for Jermaine because I was kind of kind of like babysitting, I guess, for Drew for until you know see. We were going to just see what happened. But then finally, after I sat there for I don't know how long for the Drew, they decided she was he was going to go to Cheryl's. So I had I took him to Cheryl's. So, But there was a lot of people there. I mean, it, when I got there, I mean, I mean, they already had the helicopters. They had drones. And, you know, all the rescue people there, the police and the firemen. You know, a couple of policemen on horseback. They had everybody there. I mean, they had specialists coming in, didn't know how to organize, you know, these lost children and stuff, you know. Yeah, it was pretty well. It didn't take them long to get organized. And, I mean, I was really impressed by the what the way they had that straightened out from, uh, you know, from such a short period of time. And it wasn't too long after, after I found out about it. I was there. So, and they had already a lot of people there when I got there. And, but all of that, they did everything they could, but didn't find him the way he wanted to, but did locate him. So, which is, that in Lona, I mean, you know, it sounds kind of, I don't know, crude, but maybe, but at least have found him, you know, he could have been, you know, we couldn't find him for so long. I couldn't figure out why, because there were so many people there. Had to, somebody had to found him. So I'm beginning to wonder what happened to him. Maybe somebody picked him up, or, you know. Or the other option was the river, you know. So that was pretty much what we were thinking. It had to be, because we covered everything. Especially after the second day, they had all those volunteers. And uh, so they covered everything on, a, you know, wherever he could have been. So it was only those two options. I think either somebody either picked him up or he was in the river so basically we know that's what happened they found him eventually that was kind of my worry too is that <clears throat> he got picked up 
<laughs> you I know, because then how are you going to, if nobody saw him get picked up, like there's literally zero leads. Right. Yeah, I know. That would, you know. <laughs> yeah, the longer it went, you know, the we were, you know, the more <laughs> likely it was going to be a bad outcome, which the way it turned out was turned out that way, I guess. But I guess, like I said, at least you found him, you know, so they did have, you know, know what happened to him. Unfortunately, it was what we was hoping, but. but it's a tough time. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a couple of weeks from now he was going to turn three. So I know. So yeah. There's yep. there's uh there's that factor too, you know. <laughs> not just that he's he was young, but uh, also being special needs kind of, you know, is yeah adds to it a little bit because right. you know. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I mean, just watching him and Leon interact, it was, <laughs> watching him interact with everybody was always entertaining. Oh, jeez, it was. It was, so, it was so much fun to have him around. Yeah, his laugh his, and squeal, yeah. more of a squeal. Yeah, he just made everybody feel good. You know, and I don't, I don't know. I was just really looking forward to him and Leon know. interacting, you know, as yeah, pretty older kids wrestling and <laughs> yeah, all that good stuff, you know. I was joking about him having a rival rivalries, you yeah, know? yeah, they're pretty close in age, so yeah, they could have grew up together, but but then uh, you know, there's also the fact that uh, it's just. He was lo- spotted by a couple people that never. Mm-hmm. All the people that came out, if one of one of those couple people that had seen him before, you know. Yeah. Before yeah. it turned into a search, if one of them would have just followed up on, that's weird, you know. Mm-hmm. It would have been a different outcome, and I I kind of expressed this the other day to somebody at work that was talking to me about it. It. Watching the search kind of restored my faith in humanity a little bit. But then there's always that little ember that's burning at the bottom. That's like, man, one of the... There were two people that had all the power to change the outcome. And if one of those two people would have just called 911 or whatever and said, hey, it's weird, but... I see a toddler walking around without shoes or went over to their neighbors and asked, hey, is that your grandkid out there that just walked across my yard? Like if it, like that person that was trying, and there's not, I'm not trying to hold anybody to blame because it's, that's just how it is. But, you know, if, if that person that was driving by that said they saw him would have just stopped been there with him, called 911 and said, hey, I'm not kidnapping this kid. He's screaming or whatever. There's no parents around. He's alone by the river, wherever he was at. Like, can you come pick him up until we can, you know, locate his parents or whatever? It would have changed everything. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just that. It's that 
I'm gracious that a lot of people came out to help look for him. But if any of those people that would have been out helping look would have been the ones to spot him before it got to that point, I feel like it'd have been a different scenario. Because those people that came out to look more than likely wouldn't have been the same type to just drive by him or just watch him walk across their yard and not reach out, you know? Yeah. So, like I said, I'm not trying to hold anybody to blame or anything like that. It's just, that's just the one little lumber I have that just kind of keeps poking me when I'm like, man, you know, I'm very grateful everybody came out. I am. And like I said, I have some restoration and faith, but I feel like it would have been a little, it would have been completely restored if one of those people, instead of the thousands of people that came out looking, if one person would have said, hey, this isn't right. I feel like I'd have a greater feeling of humanity, if that makes sense. Like all those thousands of people that came out didn't restore it as much as one person could have. You know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get, you know, where maybe you don't want to stop because you don't want to get accused of kidnapping or you don't want to have somebody question, question whether what your intents are with that that kid, you know, whether you're a pedophile or not. But it's like, dude... You call 911 immediately, and you explain the situation, and you say, hey, there's nobody around. This isn't right. What do I do? Can you come out? Like, you know, like... Yeah. And I mean, if you're on your way to work, and you see that, you stop. Take the points if you're going to get points for being late, you know? But more than likely, your boss isn't going to be like, okay, well... We still have to discipline you because you were late. You know, you have that scenario. You know, I think you'll, there's some lenience in it, you know. If you hit a deer, it's probably different. You show up to work late because you hit a deer, you can't really expect to. But if you find a kid that's around without parents, a toddler, not even just a kid, you know. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've tried to think of what it would be where those people would have been like, ah, it'll be okay. Because I I don't, me personally, I don't think I'd have been able to just leave them. You know? Maybe follow them around in the car while I'm on the phone with 911 at the least, but more than likely, like, you know, I don't know. But, uh, yep, so, well, we're crossing 2.30 here. Is there uh I had a bunch of stuff I was going to ask you about, but we haven't even taken a break yet, so I'll try and get back out here this, this next week because you know, I've either got to go mobile or do solos now because I don't have a studio. I can't have anybody come over. I've either got to go to their house or you know, I don't really have any room upstairs for two people. I was going to record downstairs with my wife because the kids were upstairs. So I was like, oh, this would be perfect. You know, yeah, yeah. I have enough room, but, um, did you have any, uh, I know a lot of people out there are feeling cornered in life, whether it's financially or in their career, you know, having a hard time making ends meet or being miserable at their job. You know, like you said earlier, it's it's hard to enjoy the things you would have when you were younger now that you're older, just because there might be things that are off the table. Yeah. You know, like 
So do you have any advice to those people out there that are trying to either find passion in life or find a find a way to kind of make make their life more joyous, well, even, you know? <laughs> I think what helps me is a bit is uh, you know, well, I've had a lot of great things happen to me in my life. My life's been pretty blessed, so that doesn't work for everybody. But for me, I look at all, uh, I feel like some of the bad things that have happened, I thought, how can I be depressed or, you know, upset or whatever you want to call it. It's like angry when I've had so many good things happen to me. So I just have to appreciate all the blessings you have in your life, whatever that might be. I mean, most people just, they're probably, most people have a lot of good things happen to them. They just don't see it. It's right in front of them if they would, uh, you know, focus more on the blessings they have in their life instead of the, all the bad things that happen to them. So that helps me. So that's the only thing I can think of. I might want to help some people. All right. Well, I mean, I think that's pretty wise. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of a mindset thing, I think, there, too, is, you know, you get stuck in the rut of focusing on the bad. Maybe finding ways to blame what's happening on the bad side on, you know, other events or people in your life. And maybe if you can just... Yeah, if you just focus on, you know, if, you, if you're always thinking about all the bad things that happen, maybe, you know, bad luck or something, why, why me? You know, you're always going to be miserable. And uh, <laughs> I don't think most people don't want to be miserable. It's a whole lot more enjoyable if you can enjoy your life. And then, so there's a lot of things you can enjoy about life, <laughs> you know, if you see it. It's like... I could kind of use my wife as an example. I said, you know, it's been just a little over a year now since I lost her. I can, uh, I don't know, I could wallow around in pity, you know, being all, you know, all these things that are bad because of what happened. But I don't look at it that way. I think I can't be depressed because I'm so blessed to have her for so many years together. So, you know, we just, if you would have, still alive now we would just we would have had uh, a 60th anniversary we didn't quite make that but a couple days well, ago a long right? time ago i mean that's a long time and then even we were together before that so we spent all those years together so how can i be depressed i gotta be i feel blessed you know so i just it's not i don't feel i don't think i have that right to feel bad because i just have been it's been too good for me that's the only way I can look at it, you know. So I just think about it always being uh, a blessing. Uh, that's, I don't know what else I can say, but that's... No, that's, I mean, that's pretty concise, too. So <clears throat> we'll end on this, then. If you had to give somebody advice that's trying to make a change in their life, like, how would you suggest going about that mindset-wise and then a action-wise? You know, whether it's their job or whether, you know, they're trying to make some sort of major change, you know, like. Well, major changes. <laughs> well, there's a lot to that. So, like, you know, because it's, it's pretty involved, you know, a statement or something, you know, because I'm saying major changes, so many things involved. You know, you just can't say, well, I, like my first thing, uh, 
thing I thought of, I thought, well, man, if you, if you don't kind of follow your dreams, I mean, you're always going to regret it, I think, you know. You know, you say, man, your whole life, you said, I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have tried that. I wanted to, but I didn't. I was, you know. <laughs> if you're going to be stuck with what you are or where you are, if you don't like it, well, if you don't do anything about it, it's always going to be that way. It's never going to change on you, you know. Not going to change by luck. You have to <laughs> change your life by being focused on what you really want and then make sure, do whatever it takes to make that happen. And it may not work out the way you would, you know, you anticipate, but <laughs> you, uh, you took a shot at it. So, and yeah, sometimes if it doesn't work, and if you don't like it, what you, way it turns out, you don't give up the second time. You know, you just keep doing it until you wind up with what you, the life that you want to have. You know, so that doesn't mean you always want to be rich or something. You're talking about money because <laughs> rich money don't make you rich. It makes your life more comfortable, I guess. You have more material things, but <laughs> yeah, it opens up possibilities yeah options, it gives you those you kind know. of things but but it's not happiness not based on how much money you make but yeah i mean and it, just to piggyback that really quick interject there's uh you know a lot of people that have come before us before our modern times that they lived extremely happy lives and they you know whether they were you know yeah people on the plains you know native people on the plains or in the jungle, you know, they they didn't have what you would consider money now, you know. No, I mean, I've never had a lot of money. I mean, but I guess when, you know, at times, you know, when you're, you're always thinking, oh, why, you know, how come all these other people have got more things than I do or something, you know, everything is, you can live like that your whole life if you want to, I mean, but you just be miserable. But just like I said before, you just have to be... <laughs> Appreciate what you have and enjoy that part of that life, you know. That, that, everybody's life's going to be different. You can't live your life to try and, for, trying to be like somebody else, to be yourself, what you want to be, you know, enjoy that. And, uh, you know, you'll just be much happier. You don't, like I said, it doesn't take money to have be rich. You don't count your money. You don't count your happiness by how much money. It's more like how many friends you have, or things like that. You know, so right and memories, fact, memories, yeah, all those things. And that's what you have to focus on. You have to, well, my life's good. So, would you think it's fair to say then that, uh, regardless of your financial capabilities, you take that out of the question. You just find things that you are able to do. Yeah, and you then can, you can't. You know. Be frustrated because there's things you're never going to be able to do that you want to do. <laughs> if you, you know, if you're saying a lot of these things that are, which is, I would think, pretty normal for most people. I mean, even the people that got a lot of money, you know, and I'm sure there's, <laughs> there's things that they'd want to do, they still can't do it, you know. But right. You don't want to have that to be to hold you back, you know. You want to enjoy what you do have. Whatever that, whatever you're happy with. 
I mean, that's the goal, right? Just to be happy, enjoy your life. You only get this one, one life on this earth, so enjoy it. So you can't enjoy it if you're always frustrated and angry about, you know, you know the things you want that you can't get. Because it's always going to be there. Just be happy with what you do have. Count yeah. your blessings. Yep, and then the time you have with the people you love, you well, know, like you said, that, it's... Uh... That's the most important thing in life. To me, my way I look at it, I mean, Jesus, your family, <laughs> your friends, that's what makes you rich. Yeah. If, if you want to think rich is, well, I guess it is probably, you know, if you look at it rich in that way, it is quite meaningful. Well, you know, that's, I know I said we'd end on this, but that's just something I've noticed with a lot of rich people is, like financially rich, is they, uh, they got to that point in their life where they're financially rich because they cut a lot of people out. <laughs> they yeah. they have the mindset of I don't want to say taking advantage, but they have like a, a an aggressive mindset where any any little corner that they can get a leg up, they're they're taking that corner, they're making that deal, and then unintentionally they cut more and more people out that maybe they wanted in their life because of the way their mind is set, their actions are taken, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to take a loss here because they feel like it's going to compound down the road or they just don't have the capability in their mindset to take a loss. So that's just not something that's even an option. Whereas what I've noticed with more of the happy people, not even just in my life, but that I, I encounter, they're not financially rich but they're more willing to take a loss because it's more worth it to keep somebody in their life. They're more mm. giving because that keeps so, somebody in their life yeah. or they have an experience, you know, they'll pay for you to go out to dinner if they really want you to go to dinner because they're not worried about, or, you know, if a deal comes up, they'll pay a little more money for what it is they want because they want everybody involved in that deal for example to be happier you know yeah you know if if i gotta pay another two three hundred dollars for i don't know let's say a boat you know i'm not gonna turn down the deal because i don't want to pay that you know i want the boat this person doesn't want to come down because they need the money. like at the end of the day you know if, if you're willing to take a sacrifice i feel like that that says a lot about the amount of joy you have in your life too because that's not everything is riding on that deal you can say you know what i'll take a loss here because i'm still going to be happy at home right i'm going to be happy yeah. driving away you know <laughs> yeah. so mm -hmm. kind of reminded me once i remember this a long time ago there was a guy who was in a mob and he was in las vegas and he i don't know he had a whole great big suitcase and just so much money, he just dumped it on a bed. He was rolling around. He thought he was the happiest guy in the world, you know. He made all that money, all that crooked dough, you know. <laughs> but, but then, he, I don't know, something happened. He just thought, you know what, I got, I got all this money. I don't have any friends. And then, kind of a long story. He gives us up. He, he wound up being a... He thought, no, I remember the story because he says he was having to call his boss, you know. And went, after this process went on for a while, he started thinking, this is not right, you know. 
I got money, but I got no friends. He said, I'm not really happy now. Yeah, nobody I can call. Nobody, yeah. He's got all this money, but what's he get, you know, you got nobody, just money. But, and you can't get out of the mob, you know. They don't, they don't want you, you know, that doesn't work. You know, you can pretty much be eliminated. <laughs> so he thought yeah. that was, he thought that was what was going to happen, but he said he finally had to do it. But, well, it turned out he, it didn't kill him, but. He turned out to be a minister, and it was a pretty interesting story, but now it's so long ago I can't remember, but I mean, you know, that's just kind of a story that, you know, he was just a, in a mob for quite a long time. He was making all kinds of money and everything, just, I mean, but he had nothing, nothing but money. He had money, all the money you want in the world, probably. He didn't have one friend, and, and he realized, you know... <laughs> Not the life I want, you know. I want to have a get married, yeah. have a family, you know. That, that's where you get enjoyment from life, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I was saying, I've been coming home and just hanging out with the kids because I mean, yeah, I know that <laughs> the, the whole Jermaine things. I mean, it's not that I didn't enjoy him before. It was kind of a joke between me and my wife that Iris is my favorite, but you know, she's the youngest and. You know, she's the newest. Yeah. It's not that I forgot about Leon or Akia, but it's just, oh she's the baby baby. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, I'd like to, because I was the same way with Leon. She kind of forgets that, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. She'd come home and I'd be holding him and she'd be like, you don't, come on, you don't need to be holding him all the time. Uh-huh. It's like, I know, but I don't get to hold him. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I got to work. I'm mm-hmm. trying to soak up as much as I can. And, right. you know, now I kind of. <laughs> I pick. I'm starting to pick on him a little more, and oh, yeah. but I mean, I think that's a natural thing for boys. Is you kind of want to toughen them up a little bit to the world and kind of yeah. get them to <laughs> get their emotions in check a little earlier. Mm-hmm. But I've just noticed that I've been, you know, a lot more uh, yeah. since this whole issue with Jermaine. It's just been. I've, oh yeah. It's not that I've necessarily been shown the light, but just reminded, like. Yeah, like well, this yeah, podcast it, isn't the most important thing in the world because I was doing two a week for a while, mm-hmm. you know, and it was yeah not <laughs> necessarily creating stress on my relationship with my wife firsthand, but you know it was creating stress because she was having to spend that much more time with the kids while I was recording, mm-hmm. and even though it might have been you know an extra podcast three hours a week, you know to her that was a lot because that was three hours more that I was gone even though I work all day already that's another three hours I was gone even though I was at home I wasn't available so it's probably frustrating that I'm right there but you know so I mean it's you know and then now it's like I don't even it's not that I don't want to do them it's just the priorities the kids well yeah I mean well that's one of those things though I mean you know you got to do things that you enjoy I mean you know it's just part of you know enjoying your life you know but as long as it doesn't control you you know you know you got you've got time to take care of you spend time with your kids and do both and also you you can't feel guilty about that i mean that's just part of being able to enjoy your life you know do things that you like to do the same as brie i mean she i mean there's certain things she's gonna do that she likes to do you know that and she's got to do that too yeah, she does. I, okay. you know, I, I wish she would get out and do stuff more often. But. Well, I'm saying, you know, that's what you have to do. You know, 
you know, you have to help each other out sometimes and she needs to do something, you know, you can kind of watch the kids and she can do the same for you, but you still got plenty of time to, yeah, I mean, you're with them every day, even though, you know, you're working every, you know, most of the time, but it's like me, it's like, you know, I did the same thing. You know, the man has to, whoever's providing financial support for your family, you know, they're going to be gone most of the time. That's just part of life, but it just makes that time more valuable when you're with them, you know. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, well, you're with them all day long, every day, you know. It's like, well, you, it's, it's almost like work sometimes, you know. You don't really get to appreciate, you know, that experience of having, you know, the... <laughs> You know, the young kids in your life, you know, the little babies, you know, you want to have that time to just to cherish them, I guess, you know, instead yeah. of just taking care of them. It gets to be old and boring sometimes when you're just feeding them, washing them, <laughs> watching them, <laughs> keeping them out of trouble, make sure they don't get hurt and stuff like that. It wears on you? I was just going to say, it, but, you know, I've tried to think of it from her perspective because I've told her, you know, I'll definitely trade you. You know, I'll be a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> and it's not like I'm being cocky about it. It's like, you know, I would much rather be at home with the kids yeah, all day, playing with them, feeding them, dealing with poopy diapers, whatever. But I can see where after a while it probably gets stale. Oh, yeah. You it know, would. you lose the appreciation or the perspective of appreciation because you have it every day. Yeah. But, you I, know, you go away for a weekend without your kids. That's what you're thinking about all weekend. Right. Yeah, I know. That's you know. it. Yeah. I've always thought about that. Well, you know what? I've always wanted, I thought I'd have been thrilled to have been able to take, you know, I didn't ever want Carolyn to work, but she didn't want to, so I didn't want her to. But I would have been nice to have been able to stay home and take care of my kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, of course, she and that Carolyn would have had to work, but I didn't, you know, I didn't want her to have to do that. But, but if I'd had to, you know, for some reason, if she would have liked that option and if she wanted, you know, Right. That would have been good for me. I mean, I would have been happy taking care of the kids. I mean, even the same way, but just like I said, you know, you know, it all day long, every day, you know, it's going to get tedious and, you know, you're fixing food and they're crying and they're sick, and changing diapers and, you know, after so long of that, so much of that, you know, you get, man, you're kind of losing that appreciation of being, being with your kids, you know, that <laughs> you, you kind of get, it's, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, you know. But also, I kind of have the fantasy where I'm still going to do stuff I want. Like, I'll take them fishing with me. Well, yeah. I'll take them for a walk <laughs> in the woods, you know. Like, I might not, I'm probably not going to be home all day every day because, you know, yeah. I want to go for a walk somewhere. Or, yeah, I would have done the same thing. That's what I know? mean. I mean, you know, you you don't have to be in a house here all day long taking care of your kids. Yeah, you can do something with the kids. You know, just, that's part of it, too. I mean, that's why I thought it would be a good deal. I mean, I'd like to enjoy it because you could do that kind of stuff. You know, like you said, you don't want to take them some fishing one day or whatever, you know, just for a walk or take them to the park. Yeah, and, and I mean, you can't ignore that there's a difference between going fishing with a buddy that can bait his own hook. You're basically both <laughs> fishing 100% of the time, you know, like. Yeah. And then you're out there with the kids. You know, if they're fishing, you're basically just there yeah, yeah, letting just, them fish. You right. might fish a little bit of the time, but I mean, it's still. Mm. it's still that thing of like you know I'd, and that's just using fishing as an example but it's still that thing of like you know i'd like the option to be on the water it's just like you were saying earlier about hunting you know i just like being out there yeah you know whether i'm quote unquote babysitting a couple of kids that are out there learning like they're yeah. they're never gonna get to the point i'm at now without 
going through these steps, making right. mistakes and learning. Yeah. And the earlier they yeah. learn, yeah. you know, the 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 quicker they'll get to a level where maybe when they're 16, I just ask them what stand they're going to hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, I don't have to be in the stand with them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we'll meet up, you know, at 10 or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> all right well yeah. thanks for uh sitting down with me and well uh, we're pushing appreciate it. i mean it's, you know that was enjoyable i mean uh we haven't done that in a while so got a good chance to talk i know every time i uh every time i've been gonna come out here and record it seems like <clears throat> you know i set one or two days aside a week that are possible to record and then it seems like every time you know like there were a couple times this summer where you were gone or doing something, which is fine. You know, I'd rather you go do stuff, but you know, it just seems like, or there'd be a weekend where, you know, we'd go up to Bree's mom's cabin or whatever. Or, you know, yeah. I, I had a couple things yeah. I had to do, so it, you know, it's always. Yeah, hey, I know what you mean. I mean, <laughs> during yeah. the week it's tough to come down here too because I don't want to keep you up till ten o'clock because <laughs> we did that a couple times where you know I'd come down after mm-hmm. work. By the time we're recording, it's like five thirty, six o'clock, and you know. Yeah, so. well, that's harder on you. It is on me because I don't have to get up early. You got to go to work, so. <laughs> I mean, I get that, but at the same time, it's like you know, there's like especially right now, it's hunting season. Yeah, hunting I'd rather season. you be out in the woods after you know. By the time I get out of work, I I would have already been in the stand at three thirty. I get out of work at four thirty, so mm-hmm. I'm already assuming you're in the woods or on your way out. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to miss a hunt because we're going to record. You know, I'd rather you hunt and then, you know, you kill a yeah. deer. We can talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, but. you're right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was nice to sit down and talk to you for a few hours. And, well, uh, you know, winter's coming up, so we're going to be running out of stuff to do other than oh yeah, cut wood and bunny hunt, steelhead. So uh, well, I'm sure we'll sneak more yeah, of these I'm in. get slowed down for a little while after my surgery, so I'll, I'll have plenty of time to just... Yeah, that too. When it, when when is that That's getting done? December thirteenth. So I'll be laid up probably for a while after that. So I mean, uh, I'll give you till March. Yeah, I don't plan on being laid up too long, but I mean, it's a good time of year to do it. Just be yeah. careful if you go outside. Remember, it's slick. You'll yeah. have ice and <laughs> yep, snow. The cold's probably going to bother you. Probably just having that <laughs> at least. You know, I don't know. immediately I, after surgery. Well, that's like I said. I'm going to be an optimist, so I'm thinking that. I don't think it's going to bother me that much, and I'm kind of looking forward not to have a, my leg ache all the time, my knee, you know, so I can sleep better and walk better and not pain-free, hopefully, well, anyway, after eventually, after a certain period of time. Still wear a brace, though. Don't get too cocky. Okay. <laughs> all right, well, all right. I love you, and uh, we'll do this again here in the next couple of weeks. We'll We'll set some time aside. Okay, good. I love you, too. All right. Talk next time. See you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Whistlepig. If you would like to support this podcast, please like and subscribe, rate and review, and follow on social media at Whistlepig Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. You can email questions or comments to whistlepigpodcast at gmx.com. That's G as in girl, M as in man, X as in xray.com. And until you hear from me again, get outside, take a kid with you, and stay free.